Rambo and Mortal Kombat? Sony, prove me wrong. Again. Hello and welcome to Triangle Square, the PlayStation podcast. I'm your host, Brett Beck, and alongside me, in case you didn't hear him, he said again. Uh, yeah. I think I may have accidentally slightly cut it off, but that's what happens when you roll on the fly like we do. Uh, but Mr. Saul Bridges, Bridges. bringing you guys lucky episode 183. 183. We are getting very close to 200, but the thing is, is that that's still like 17 weeks away from 200, so... It feels close, but also yeah, so far away. If this is your first time uh, watching the show or listening to the show, stick around at the end or you can find out where you can find us, be it how you want to consume the content or where you can find us on social media so you can keep up with us. But we like to start the show off the right way, and that is a very simple and easy, traditional. Saul, what have you been playing this week? I haven't played a single video game this week. At all? At all. You haven't played Among Us at all? Nope. Not a single one. I'm proud of you. I was worried about your addiction for a while. I wasn't addicted to that game. I was talking about gaming. But oh. It's clearly a joke. You haven't been playing that many games lately, which is in line with what you said earlier this year, actually, more or less. You were saying that you have a feeling that you're going to get to a point where either PlayStation itself is not going to have as many big games that you're wanting to play and that maybe Switch will be your place, but that you kind of predict until next gen. Yeah, yeah, well, I mean, it's kind of like what happened at the end of last gen where I was just bored with all the games. And I just don't really feel like playing anything. Hence, yep. Dark Souls coming into the picture. Or Demon Souls, I guess, technically first. But yeah. So now it's just... And ironically, Demon Souls on PS5 may be your way to get back into everything. Maybe so. I think just having a new technology will be more Exciting. most interesting enough. Yeah, sure. What have you been doing this week? I've played a few things. Um, so let's see. Crash 4, I got... And I think I mentioned it last week that I just started it, and it's challenging. Uh, I'm much, much further, and it is m- partially, I want to say, is it, it is a challenging game. That is just true in general. It's even more so challenging, and it might be affecting the way I think about it and explain to other people when I say it's challenging, that the way I've approached this playthrough is that I'm playing every level with the attempts of getting all the boxes on my first try through the level. So that means that I'm purposely killing myself often, having to spend a lot longer on a single level uh, if if there's certain sections that have very challenging box situations because I'm trying to get that. Now, even when I'm trying and I think I have, you get to the end of the level just to learn that there were some hidden ones and I missed 10, sometimes 30, and you don't even, you're trying to understand where 30 could have been. But it's, Part of the fun of the game's style being scaled up to a next-gen level where the levels are a lot longer, sometimes for better, sometimes for worse, more often than not better, and I'm glad for that. Um, But so far, still really enjoying that. I don't know if this is a game I'll platinum. It was a little different with the Crash Insane trilogy because that's that's kind of platinuming a game series, three games rather, that I had played and knew really well but with a little bit of differences to them because of the shakeup in like graphics and making one play more like one, two, and three are all the same. Whereas originally that was not the case. Is your laptop dead? It just died. Here, I don't need it. Said, so take me out of this life. Me charger is shoe charger. Sure. What is charger <laughs> in Spanish? To fully, I don't actually know, but. Um, yeah, I one of the things about those games is that like I had a real reason to want to go and, and do those because I already was so intimate with those levels that it wasn't that crazy. 
I'm actually wondering right now if because of the way I'm playing it, it's even harder. I'm trying to think of going through these levels without dying, which is necessary for getting certain gems, which is also necessary for getting more of the hidden tapes, um, which are like little levels that are flashback levels of when Cortex created Crash and you get to go through some pretty challenging like it's it's interesting. They're all set up in like different areas, but it's all about the idea of Cortex looking at uh, Crash as his test subject. But what's also cool about it is they've used it as an opportunity to make some jokes, um, or not even jokes as much as like history tie-ins for the franchise. In one of the videos, he's talking about how prior to Crash, he had tried a wombat. And for anybody who's a longtime Crash fan who maybe knows a little bit more. Originally, Crash Bandicoot was going to be uh, Willy the Wombat or something like that. Yeah. And so him talking about a wombat is in there. Also, there's a moment in the game that pulls in the uh, the woe meme uh, from back whenever <laughs> Crash was coming back around. So really great so far, and I am enjoying that. I also played something that I think will probably surprise you just because I've not mentioned anywhere or anything, and it was kind of a... Friday came, and originally I was thinking that we might be doing music, but we ended up not because we had to do music video Saturday. So I'm sitting there and talking with Mario at work as we're about to leave, and he was talking with one of the guys who's been helping us on installs, and they were talking about Warzone. And I was like, well, I technically have Warzone installed because I have Call of Duty installed, and the game won't separate them for some reason, which is what I thought. Then I actually got into the menu and realized that it does install stuff based off of what you tell it to install when you have the disc. Yeah. So it's weird. I've seen people online say, like, why can't you just install Warzone separately? I guess what may be true, and I, I guess that is true because I clearly did not tell it to install Warzone, is that Warzone gets installed even if all you want to play is the campaign. Yeah, that's true. So still a problem, but not as bad as I would have thought. Yeah. Still makes you wonder how people who still only a, have Warzone installed are talking about 200 gigs. Still a ridiculous amount of space for everything, though. That's why I brought up a good point of how, how does that take out like 250 gigs when Witcher takes up 40? Uh, dude, big question. Even when I'm going through the map, it's fairly large. It's pretty detailed. I'll but give it all that. But it's graphically. But it's a single map. Yeah. What are you doing in this single map that's graphically fine? Yeah, but, but not graphically as up, as up there with the Witcher. Or at least in terms of like, yeah, detail. I mean, clearly the detail level is higher in the campaign. Mm-hmm. So that's what, yeah, I don't understand how this one game mode is this much. People think that it's actually a ploy so that people with, like, base PlayStations have to pick and choose what games they install, and maybe they don't have good enough internet so they can't download that game except over the course of a week. So that's like, maybe once they download it, they don't want to uninstall it. So it's a ploy to keep it on their hard drive to play the game. Maybe. It's very it took, odd. You know, it took Donovan, like, a, like, what was it, four days to download the Bioshock collection? Yeah. So, like, imagine this game. The Bioshock collection is probably like what? I think he has better internet 30 now. Thirty gigs, but yeah, but yeah I mean, for just sure. Back then, though. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Either way, it's weird. Uh, but I played Warzone uh, with Mario and Blake, and had an all right time. I don't just love it, but I had a good time. Mario hopped off whenever I died, and I was kind of carrying the carrying us at the end right there because they the both of them had died. I died, but it was my first time, and both of them had already gone completely through the gulag. Or whatever you call it. Yeah. So I go to the gulag, and as soon as that happens, Mario's like, I'm off. And he just left, but he didn't turn the PlayStation off. So his character is just, I mean, he's dead, so it doesn't matter. But I was able to pull all of them back. Yeah. And 
And then we have Mario just sitting there. And with just me and Blake, Mario died to the storm. We managed to get second place, but I think if we would have had Mario, we would have won. But life, uh, life's what you make it, so let's make it rock. Either way, um, I finally started playing that, and that was interesting. So I went back to Crash a little bit, too. I played a little bit of Among Us, but... I'm in a weird spot where I'm trying to understand exactly what I want to play after Crash, and Crash is so much longer than I anticipated. And I'm not exactly sure why, because one of the things they mentioned was that this was going to be a long game. Yeah. And it is, for a Crash game. Shouldn't be, it shouldn't be longer than 20 hours. It's not that long. Okay. Uh, well, okay. It's weird. It's not that long if all you're going to do is play it. Because of the way I'm playing it, I've probably already no, played should, the game. It shouldn't 20 be longer hours. than 20 hours to 100% that game. I disagree entirely on that. No. The uh, because that's getting, skill based. N- not even that, though. It's just to 100%. Any game that's linear like that, it shouldn't. There, it, it bound to be repetitious by the end of it. I mean, bound to be frustrating so far, and not in a good way. From what I understand, it's about eight and a half to nine hours for a normal playthrough where maybe you've gotten a good bit of the collectibles. Okay. But again, when I'm painstakingly killing myself over and over again to make sure I get every box, I can't. I don't actually know a real number. I know I've played more than the story would have ran. I know I've played more than ten hours. Even then, though, why would you du- double it and then some? Doing one hundred percent. Yeah. Well, first of all, I don't, and I don't, I don't think, think this is a bad thing. I don't know when you say one hundred percent versus platinum. No, I just not, need hundred percent of the game either. But I just mean that I don't know if this is a situation where to platinum the game you have to one hundred percent. Um, well, I, I assume that it is, but one of the things they've done too, and I think that this is actually smart of them because one of the things that goes into games right now is right. If a game's going to be sixty dollars, it needs to have replayability. Well, what's one way that you can shake that up game should be sixty dollars though? I agreed until I actually started playing it, and I do understand why it's sixty dollars, and I mostly agree with it. I, there's a there's and I, obviously I have no stake in it because I'll have it, but there's I've seen people on Twitter saying like this game should have been fifty or forty. It doesn't make sense to me. To have a game like that that is that long. That goes into the thing we were talking about, like where games are just getting to be too long just to do that. And I think that people are unfairly saying, well, this game's 40 hours, so it has to be worth the $60. No. I don't mean that either. I think what it comes down to is, like, when I say still, the majority of people who play Crash 4 are going to play it in a way that will probably net them around. 10 to 12 hours depending on how good they are and how determined they are at getting certain things. And the reason I bring that in is because this game brings in skins, right? And the way that you go about getting skins is getting all the gems on one level. Then you can get a secondary skin, if I'm not mistaken. I could be wrong on this one, but every level exists and there are five gems that you can get. You get three... Yeah, yeah, that sounds right. I'm, it might be six gems. Anyway, you get them for getting 20%, 40%, 80% of the boxes, and then all you get one gem for dying less than three times throughout the entirety of the level, and there's one hidden gem in every level. So if you can get all six of those for any given level, you get a skin for that character. Uh, that you're So like my, most of them are a crash skin, and then if you're playing as Coco, you can get hers and different ones. But Whenever it comes into that, so that's one way that you automatically have a reason to want to replay levels and do them better. Then you have time trials. Time trials bring in changing up everything with you can't die because if you die, you restart the entire level, which has always been that way since the time trials were introduced in 3. And then whenever they introduced time trials across all of the Insane Trilogy, the same thing came in. And you've got to do a certain level to get either a platinum relic, a silver relic, and then the, I can't remember the first relic that you get. Um, 
it's not tied to like PlayStation trophies. I just can't remember what it is. Anyway, when you're doing all that, you have a reason with tons of skins to unlock to actually go through and do those levels that way. You have extra levels with like the hidden tapes that are just almost specifically gauntlet challenge levels that I could see being great for streaming uh, for people that just want to watch somebody do something that's actually challenging or for players that just want to want to have that moment of, can I get through this whole thing because it's actually challenging. Do you have to play through the game all the way through from start to finish twice to unlock all collectibles? I mean, depending on your challenge level. Yeah, absolutely. See, I, I would I would say absolutely in general, but it depends on, do you mean skins as collectibles? I mean to 100% the game, to get everything there is to get in the game. Well, I mean, the, that's just, I, there's not really an ostensible 100% outside of you did everything and there's no way to do it any better. And the reason I kind of bring this up, right, is that Crash uh, Insane Trilogy, the first Crash game is really challenging for a lot of people. It, and is. it is a hard game. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know for sure of anybody in our Discord, but I remember there's a lot of people that looked at a couple of really challenging levels that added hours to their gameplay time to try and get the relic level, the, the relic on it, or the no death on it to get certain gems. So when you look at it that way, if you're wanting to 100% Crash Bandicoot 1, which in the collection, I guess, adds up to, what, 1250 or whatever it is, because uh, it's no $40 for three games. So, uh, excuse me, break that into three. But regardless, my point being, um, that game already, if you want to 100% it, can be so much longer than it takes to just beat the game. At 1250 though. Yeah. Oh, and I know it's a huge See, value dispute. That's, that's, but all three of the original trilogy can be can be beaten at the same in the same amount of time if you're not focused on 100%ing it as this new game can be. So Crash when you're 1 not focused on 100%. versus Crash 4 in terms of length just to beat the game, which one's longer? Uh, Crash 4 by far. Crash that's, 1's that's only the three, 3 hours. That's that's the problem I have. It feels like people are artificially or even just trying incredibly too hard to lengthen a game to justify a higher price point when it's not needed. And then we talked about this with ideal game links, Dragon Quest, like whatever the newest one 11 is, um, the elusive age, that thing's like 150 hours to beat and it came out at $60. Yeah. Fine. Don't give me a 150 hour linear RPG game because that game's not exactly linear. Don't give me a corridor walking game or a platforming game that's level to level that's that long for that same price point. When in reality, I'm, you're not going to care by like the hundredth hour. Imagine if imagine guess, if Super Mario All Stars was a hundred hours worth of content. I literally don't even know what Super Mario All Stars is. It's so. the it's the original collection. Of oh, like, is, that, is that the one that they released for Switch? No, that's the original collection that came out on Super Nintendo. That was like Super Mario One, Two, Three. Okay. Imagine if that entire thing was like 150 hours. Yeah. You would be sick of Mario by 60 hours in when you really think about it. Yeah, sure. But but I think the difference here, and that's kind of what I'm getting at, is that if anything, the argument can be made that maybe it should be 40 or 60 for the fact that if you don't want to 100% the game or do any of the extra content, then you're essentially paying $60 for well, that's why I re- 10 that's to 12 why I- hours of game. Or what, maybe, maybe if you want to say 8 to 12, depending on how good you are. Well, that's why I re-asked the question of like, what, what's longer, this or Crash 1? Well, Crash 1, 2, and 3 are all together the same length as this one. And I don't think that that's, that's a bad re- thing. Th- I do. Because platforming games at this day and age are not that short. And I don't... I, realistically, They're not that long, though. There's, there's a good middle ground that you don't hit. I don't think... 
I don't think that that's long for a platformer. I mean, if you're going to say, I mean, that's longer than the Order 1886 for most people. For everyone. Nobody spent 20 hours in that game. Well, I don't mean 20 hours. I'm talking about even if you wanted to say eight hours, right? The average run-through time for the Order 1886, if you don't know what you're doing and you're not trying to get all the collectibles or just spending a ton of time there or knowing exactly how to cut through everything, is seven to eight hours for most people. So this game is roughly the same length. Now... Wait, the how? only reason I bring that up is that I don't think that that's we. Even though I don't, I think that value should be separated from length, and definitely in the terms of the order, I think it was worth sixty dollars for me. Though I do understand people who well, wish it would have been forty. In this particular situation, what you're seeing is a game that's the same length as one of the most infamously too short games. I don't think that that's too long. Like, I understand if pro- you would say the, that the there's a platform the that's point. thirty hours. The, I completely the, agree. There. The problem is the price point, though. I feel like this game... I do think it would have been smarter to release it at 40 or 50 No, but I, I, I guarantee you, though, if Activision did not want to hit a AAA price point for mm-hmm. this game, this game would not have been as long as it currently is at this AAA price point. Like, I feel like no matter what, with all these games that come out, they disrespect people's time in a way that... that I don't guess it's, it's bothersome to some people, but it's bothersome to like a lot of people like me, and I think Josh Shoup was one of them. Where it was like, yeah, don't give me this game that's filled with with all this weird filler stuff or completion rates that don't really matter at the end. Because especially if you do 100% of that game, you should have the pilot. Do you mean Josh Shoup in relation to Crash 4 out of curiosity? No, this was okay, something we talked about way back The only there. reason I bring that up is because me and him have been talking about yeah. Crash 4. I've got probably one world left, I guess is the best way to say it. Like one dimension, because that's how everything's broken up. Um, and him and I were talking earlier and I think that he would probably agree that maybe it would have been, it would have done slightly better, but I don't think the game is not risked becoming too repetitious to me yet at all, nor to him. So I don't think that the length is a problem. The only reason I would say that is if I have was already, cause I'm, I know I'm way further than halfway through the game. I'm almost at the end. He's confirmed that. So when you look at that, the fact that I have not ran into a single situation where it's felt repetitious to me, I think, or him, is a pretty good example of the fact that the game's not too long. I think you typically know, and it's different per person still, but I think for most people, you still know when a game's too long. When you've reached a point where you start to feel like you're just retreading the same water and you're not really doing anything different. Now, for you to beat the main story, which is what I think most people do, and then go on, this game is a fun length. It makes sense. The story goes on. I mean, like, well, that's what I was going to say is so, that if you were doing, if you're playing this game like normal and you're yes. not doing, you're not adding a, 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 to, a different challenge to yourself, how long do you think from start to finish it would be? Yeah, he, he did it that way. He wasn't trying to go through and do everything. And he says eight and a half to nine hours is where he landed. Okay. And that's perfect for like that. Now, with like 100% or even just doing all the extra stuff, that's where it kind of comes into this weird time frame. And for me, Kind of what we were talking about earlier is that for you said you're encroaching what twenty hours almost. I, if I had I to guess, I'd that, say maybe at least fifteen. See, and I'm, I'm curious. I'm curious at how long you'll spend on this game entirely. I don't know. I probably spent like you'll probably end up spending twenty five to thirty hours on it when you're said and done. You know, Crash One, right? I tell you, Crash One, Two, and Three are all about three, three and a half hours to beat if you're not worried about anything else, right? I'd say for each of those games, I'd probably go look at my time to platinum and, and get a decent guess. I'd say for each one of those games, because you've got to run through levels and not die and get all the boxes, and that gets you the gems, and then the gems unlock new paths for other levels for you to go through again. So you almost end up rebeating that whole game twice, which puts you at roughly five to six hours, and then you go through and then you have to do 
every level, and you have to continuously do them until, again, See, if you're going for platinum. I'm not a fan of having to redo stuff for 100%. Like, if it's in there every now and then, sure. Like, maybe one level you have to go redo, or some, like, little instance you have to go redo, fine. But, like, Dark Souls does the same thing, and I hate it. Well, where, no, I'm with you on a lot of games, because I think that the gameplay is not always, which I actually think Dark Souls is a good example, right? No, it's a, the it, game is not about the story or anything else. It's like, I understand when someone would, if someone would want to say, like, I played the order, and I, and anybody say someone plays and says i enjoyed the order but i don't want to play it again to 100 percent it i like that realistically if you just look a little bit around you can get the platinum in order in one playthrough and that's a good setup because as much as i love the order and i like replaying that's what I did, it, and I did. it's I, not a game that you'd want to God. immediately replay and that's why i often talk about platinum list right or trophy list to get a platinum and if it requires a secondary playthrough right after you finish playing it even games that have pretty fun gameplay but the majority it's of the automatically reason, a bad factor like you know i love greedfall yeah i did not immediately want to replay greedfall to get the platinum because as much as i loved it half of what was carrying it even though even though the gameplay in the world was fun was characters and story and the rpg elements that are not going to be the same twice around platforming games i think are a little different because the gameplay is 99 percent of what's going on like i do love the story of crash it's all the same for me it's the same reason i don't have a platinum in dark souls 3 is i can't bring myself to beat dark souls 3 three times in a single row to get to a ring that's sure. in New Game Plus 2. Yeah, sure. I mean, I get and it. I just, get it. I think that's fair. I just think at that point, I don't I, I don't think that games should be counted negatively against if they go longer for no reason, but only in the effort of people who want to 100% games. And the reason I say that, there's plenty of games that, and actually there's majority of people do not 100% any game. That's pretty much true of most people. Maybe most it's the people way you end ex- up going through it. Maybe it's the way you explained how you're playing it and, and how you're not finished with it yet and you're almost at 20 hours. That's why yeah, I was I like, no, it's that's me. too it's long. the way I'm yeah, doing it. I'm doing it to myself. Yeah, and because, honestly, I'd probably do better if I would just beat the game and then start replaying levels because I'd be more familiar with the levels. But If you told I'm me that game to- was like, for what you're doing... If you told me that game was like that for the average person up to 20 hours and you're starting with a game, that's entirely that's too long. That's way for too a long. I game. agree. I agree. And I don't know. Like, and I can't imagine how they'd make a, a game double this length and not get boring. The mask See, helped a lot in this. So yeah. that's, that's smart. And they've done a good job at introducing masks in sections. And then I got towards the end, and it's kind of that feeling of you know because they start utilizing all the masks in every level yeah. simultaneously. So you'll do a section with one mask, get through the next section of a different one. And I guess that's not something I factored in on my initial rant was that you're playing the game in a really odd way. Super odd way. Which <laughs> I just I, – I, I would be done with it right now. Like, I <laughs> I kind of love that, you know. I mean, like that's the thing is, I really like challenging ass platforming games. Like, you know, no, Super, do, Super Meat too. Boy is a good example of a game that is just in general hard, and it ends up being that long for a lot of people because it's just gruelingly challenging. You know what I mean? Like, you're going to play any given level, even if you're not worried about 100 percenting, because I don't even know that Super Meat Boy has any extra collectible you'll, stuff. You, well, it probably Super, does. On Super Meat Boy, you, to 100 percent that game, you'll spend 60 plus hours on it. Yeah, and that is ridiculous. Yeah, and that's what I mean. I agree with that. But, but that's also time, a, that's also a very niche game with a yeah, with almost like that key, is a point. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but Crash has also always been a challenging platformer. That's been part of its thing. It's it's a, that's why I think Crash is always and this is even less so, which I'm a little surprised. With Dark at. Souls of platforming. I wouldn't say that. I think that's ridiculous. But I do think that like clearly, if I was going to give that to a game, I think it'd be Super Meat Boy. <laughs> but um, for Crash, I think when you look at Crash's platforming versus Mario's platforming, the fact that 
most kids can play through a, a Mario game and beat it, and that's cool, and that's fun, and you can still have fun with them as an adult because it's just challenging enough to stay engaging. Nope. I think Crash is a little more, and even Josh was talking about that. Like this, Crash 4 specifically is weirdly challenging when I would have thought Activision. That's why I think that Activision wasn't like, hey, make this game longer, because if Activision had their hand in it this much, I think this game would have been a lot easier than it actually is. Because they would have wanted to do appeal to the biggest market possible, which would include children who, well, while my daughter loves it, she gets frustrated after playing like the first or second level because she can't beat it. And right now, there, there is no microtransactions in the game like they promised. I'm Not curious at all. if they keep that. I don't see what, how they would even add them in at this point. Just unlocking different skins for $5 a piece or something. Maybe. And honestly, even if they do that, I wouldn't care because as long as it's still in the game, I would, you can beat I would the level exactly on the principle they'd go against, against their promise. Yeah. yeah. But if they would have never promised and they did it, because as who, long as it's still in the game where you can just beat it. Who did that? Who, who said like this game won't have loot boxes and then like a month after launch, they had loot boxes. Was that EA and Star Wars or was that something else? Mm, I don't remember. Somebody, you know, one, one, somebody I know listen. what you're talking about. That let, was a big, know. big deal. Either way. Communities take time. Communities take time. The community take section or question this week was very simple. Do you think Sony and PlayStation in general are in a place of seeming anti-consumer? If yes, why? If no, why? Uh, over on Discord, Mr. Josh Ayers, one of our patrons, says, The only way I can see people thinking Sony is anti-consumer is comparing them to Xbox, which Xbox are only pro-consumer is because they lost so many people this generation and need to win people back. I've heard it compared to a husband being kicked out of the house and trying to get back in the good books. Sony are just business as usual. So really. something I do want to point out here, that argument does work for every single thing related to gaming. Because you can't say Xbox is bad without comparing them to Sony to come across that statement. Unless they inherently do something wrong. But even then, you're going to compare them to Sony or Nintendo. Yeah. So that is that theirs is... I'm not, I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying I don't like that. And I think that, honestly, that's how businesses work anyways. The second one business makes a bad decision, another business is going to capitalize on that bad decision and make an even better decision. And then that way they can't. Somebody can't come back and say, "Oh, well, <clears throat> McDonald's made a two dollar Whopper. I mean, Big Mac or whatever." Well, then guess what? Burger King's gonna make a dollar fifty one. It's not gonna be as good, but it's gonna be a dollar fifty one. Yeah. Or McDonald's accidentally tweeted out that that gay people shouldn't exist. Well, then you know, uh, Burger King's gonna change their pro, their uh, profile to picture on Twitter to a pride flag or something. That's true. They're I mean, going to capitalize each other. on other mistakes. Though I think the bigger make. part of his point. Uh, and I actually do agree with the the ending part of the point is that yeah, I do too. That, the that, the thing is, is we've seen Sony in this exact position. We saw them with it during the PlayStation Three, and that's what really led them into the PS Four being so at the time pro consumer in comparison to. I actually do think Microsoft's digital rights management was like we said last week. That was way more anti consumer than what we're seeing Sony do right now. But again, it's all about context. Yeah. But realistically, yeah. If companies lose a lot of people due to one decision, they do change what they do drastically to try and get people back. That's why the PlayStation 3 generation between Sony and Xbox was so interesting because it was all about Sony remaking Lost Ground. Do you know how you remake Lost Ground quickly? You, you do very aggressive things that you typically would not do. And that doesn't mean that Sony was suddenly being pro-consumer more than it was just Sony was trying to – I should say it's not like Sony suddenly switched their mantra – all it was was this is a temporary measure to do what we've got to do to make this profitable. 
And then we see once they've reached a point where they're comfortable and profitable, it's not that they suddenly become anti-consumer so much as it goes back to now we're at business as usual. Yeah, and I think that that's a it's a tough line of transition for some people. Some people do it so harshly that it's like that's why would you change so fast like that? Yeah, just I because mean, your your earnings are doing better or something. Um, some some companies don't make a good transition into that where they go back to normal normalcy compared to being upfront. Like Xbox, Xbox can ruin this entire momentum by coming out with something now that's like DRM in a way, and it's like well, X, like you're doing so good, you're going back to your normal standards now. Just like Sony. Sony kind of is, a, I mean, they're a smug Japanese company in a way. They've been doing so good at the first this gen, and then they kind of settled back into their ways, and people didn't, didn't really agree with that. Now, there's one in here that I think was the first step, and it was not a great step to make, and that's Juanlin. And he says, I think their unwillingness to adopt cross-play makes them anti-consumer. And if you'll remember, nobody called Sony anti-consumer until the big cross-play debacle with Fortnite. Yeah. And that's what I called them crossplay or uh, anti-consumer for that exact instance, where it was other companies coming together and be like, "Yeah, you can play on our console," or "Yeah, your profiles can transfer over." But if you play it on PlayStation, your profile is screwed because it's locked to your PlayStation account. And you have to restart on other consoles, yeah. and they wouldn't they wouldn't uh, enable crossplay for that, even though it was confirmed by I think somebody at Epic that it was a, a, swip, a flip of the switch for not only them but for Sony too. Yeah, you know, I think in that situation, the way I view it is a little bit more nuanced, though I definitely agree with the overall mentality behind it. I guess the way whenever I go a little more granular with it is I think that Sony's, when we're talking about specifically the Fortnite information, Mm -hmm. which was the catalyst for everything, I think the real thing that got them, I think less people would have been upset about cross-play actually existing on Sony where you could literally play against someone on Switch as much as I think the thing that finally got them and got and made them kind of have to relent their position is that because of crossplay being locked, they also felt that other systems that could crossplay would not let you essentially cross save. Yeah, that, I think that honestly, Sony would have been in a fine position. I, I I'm fine with where they are now, but I don't think that they were inherently anti-consumer until the cross save manufacturing thing came up because the moment. That you go, well, not only can you not play on PlayStation with your friends on Switch. You can't play on Switch on you your same profile. You can't play on Switch on your same profile. I think, yeah. honestly, if Sony would have not had that happen, and if their initial policy would have immediately been no cross-play, but cross-save across any game that does cross-play, then yeah. maybe people... I'm not saying that it would have been better or worse. I, 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 it would have been better. I think it would have been better, yeah. That's, it, I think that's subjective, yeah. because it's it, that, was the, that was the breaking point. And I think that, honestly, that was another thing, like where Xbox did kind of like what Sony did at the beginning of this generation. Xbox hops on top of that and mm-hmm. was like, here's like Ori and Cuphead on the Switch. Like that, I honestly think that if it wasn't for that moment there, we wouldn't have gotten the Xbox and Switch collaborations that we've been getting or Xbox and Nintendo collaborations because yep. that all spawned out of that. Yeah. So I, there's a really good one right here by our good buddy, the Snow Jedi. He says, I think at various points, Sony, Nintendo, and Microsoft Microsoft, Microsoft have all been seen as anti-consumer. They have been, there have been times when it has made sense for the feature to be implemented by a company, but they refuse to do it. Sony have stuck to their tried and true formula, and it has worked extremely well for them. I have always preferred the style of 3D open world slash adventure titles myself, so I see what Sony is doing as pro-consumer generally. My background for work was Apple for many years, so I don't see Microsoft as my favorite company, and I don't necessarily see Games Pass as a positive, personally. 
in saying that Sony have done things that I don't always agree with, I think the Spider-Man remaster situation is poor, which is, uh, I think, Modern Brett's general opinion on that. Yeah. And then he goes on to finally say, do I think they are being anti-consumer? Partly. But you get locked into an ecosystem, you have to consider, is it worth putting money into another, even if they are being more clear with their messaging, or being more pro-consumer, which I think Microsoft are having to do, because they're getting beaten so badly this gen? Microsoft have had a habit of steamrolling competition when they can, so what's to say that they won't become anti-consumer where it suits to make them money? That goes. That's a, that's the full circle from what we've been saying too. Is that Sony's messed up? Microsoft jumped on the ball. When Microsoft messes up, Sony will jump on the ball. Yeah. And I think that no matter what, we'll see that vicious cycle. And I think I agree with you. Uh, every company in the world has been anti-consumer. And, and something that doesn't need to be said, but I'm going to say it anyways, no company cares about you. Not a single company in the world cares about you. They are there to make money. They don't care if you come and go. When I worked at CVS, somebody could tell me, I'll never shop here again. I was like, cool, bye. Like I did not care because for every one person that said that, there'll be another person who walked through the door. And then CVS didn't care if that next person said, I'll never see you again because then another person's going to walk through the door. CVS only and any company in the world only cares about what money is available then and there and what future money or what things they could do in the future that will bring them money. They don't care if it unless it's some kind of massive downside like I'll compare it like made the comparison with McDonald's and Burger King earlier. You just really mess up. Then sure. Then they're going to make ties to fix it, but they're not fixing it because of your feelings. They're fixing it because they lost money. Yeah, and it's very rare for any, especially any major company, to really care or seem caring. They they sure act like um, somebody brought up a good point that a lot of these PR companies on like Twitter, um, a lot of these th- things that you see like Xbox tweet out saying like, "Hey, Nintendo won't play Fortnite," and they'll tweet out saying, "Sure, let's do it," or like, "Let's hop on the battle bus." That's a scripted. That's a scripted thing. Two the, two a PR guy from Xbox went to a PR guy at Nintendo and said, "Let's do this." And they're like, sure. Like, how do you want to say it? They crafted exactly how they want to say it, and then they said it on Twitter. That was not a that was not a instantaneous kind of. Hey, I'm going to tweet at Nintendo on my Xbox account and see if they'll say something. That's scripted. Um, there's other things that you can see out in the world that's scripted like that, and it's typically when one company wants to talk to another company because they're doing a collaboration. They're like, let's do it. Like McDonald's or, or not McDonald's, Taco Bell. I forgot what McDonald's their thing is your favorite here. But it was yeah, it was it was. Taco Bell and Xbox when they were doing the Games Pass box or game whatever those five dollar boxes are called I don't know what they're called doing the Xbox and Taco Bell was like or Xbox was like sure could use some tacos and then Taco Bell tweeted at them like you know where we'll be it's like that wasn't a spontaneous thing that's scripted like they, that's something that they're intentionally doing and I think that you're right that every company ever will be anti-consumer in different parts I do disagree with one thing though. And this might be more of a general person kind of thing, but I will never consider myself locked into an ecosystem ever because no matter what, an ecosystem is easy to hop out of. It's costly depending on how far locked into it you are. But like, let's say if Sony, this generation came out and said something terrible that I didn't agree with, like, oh yeah, hey, by the way, guys, we're not doing backwards compatibility. And they just now told us this or something, even though they can... They just confirmed this week what their backwards compatibility is. But if they came out and said something like that, and I say if that's just something I disagree with, I'm like, cool. I'm going to get an Xbox instead. I'm not one of those people that cares about my trophies that are tied into my account. The only thing that would get me are my digital games, which that would be the one kind of 
pick her there. Like that and the exclusives. It'd be like, I got to pick that as a reason to stay. But even then, if it's a big enough mess up, I won't. Because I love Google as a company in terms of like their technology is cool, their phones are cool. But Google messed with me on my Pixel 2 that was still in warranty. And they were like, hey, put your, put your Pixel 2 in safe mode for a week and then you can send it in. Then I called them back again and then they told me the same thing and then they would not let me just send it in to get repaired. I'm not making my smartphone a dumb phone for a week just so that you guys can go through checkbox steps when I'm still in warranty. They didn't. They wouldn't want to honor my, my two-year limited warranty even though they specifically told me on the first phone call it was included. So guess who doesn't have a Pixel phone anymore? And guess who probably won't get another Pixel phone anymore? But that also went from a Pixel to a Note 9 or no, Pixel to a OnePlus then to a Note 9 then now on the iPhone. I don't care about ecosystems. I have an Apple Watch. If I got if I got the brand new OnePlus phone that comes out tomorrow or whatever, I'll still have my iPhone or my Apple Watch. Like it's, it, it, I'm sure it'll come to you somehow. I'll sell it. I don't know. Yeah. I can easily jump ship from an ecosystem, and I think most consumers can, but they don't want to because I think that there's a feeling of regret if they do. I think the ecosystem things. Where I'm going to say two things, and we'll probably move on from this one. Even though this is a really well, first of all, Jason, this is a really well thought out response. It is. Uh, so I really appreciate that. The thing about the ecosystem that I think it comes into play is it's not only convenience, which I think is clearly the reason that being in an ecosystem makes sense. It's convenience. You have everything in one spot, and even when a company messes up, you have to do this personal way of like, how much do you really care? And you have to go through that question of if you dig hard enough in any company that you support, you'll find something that you don't like. These are all things that exist, yes. But I think when you really think about the the thing that <clears throat> you and I are in a very lucky position, and even though I actually am still very when I get when I feel like I'm in an ecosystem, I do I don't want to leave it. And it's, yeah, that's the thing. I for don't me, want it to, is convenience. But and I, I but will. I, if I absolutely needed to, I could. But that's also because and. Everybody's different on this, and that's why it's kind of hard. I think the ecosystem discussion comes into a position of – I hate using this word because it's weighted by so much other dumb stuff, but essentially it's a privilege. If, you have a, if you're in a position in life where you have the ability to drop a bunch of purchases you've made digitally, though also it's why I don't make very many digitally per, digital purchases. If I need to jump ship – from an ecosystem, I am set up in such a way that I own all my games. If I decide to go to Xbox, all I have to do is sell those games and I get my money back. This goes back to my argument about digital rights distribution. Well, you get some of your money back. Yeah, but you get something. You control yeah. that. And sometimes you get more than what you originally paid. Sometimes you get half of what you paid because games are rare or people find a well, loving like for them. There's like a promo them. going on or something. Or even if it's not trading, even if you sell it to somebody. Maybe I have a game like Amazing Spider-Man 2 that was a very limited print, went out. You can't get it in any way now. That game goes for like hundreds of dollars or a hundred dollars. Exactly. But my point being is that's why I think digital rights management needs to be dealt with a little bit because in the ecosystem sense, right now, digital rights tie people so down and people do the convenience there, right? It goes back to that old thing of like uh, anybody who would sell freedom for convenience deserves neither. <laughs> it's, I think it's a Ben Franklin quote, but it is one of those things where as a people, we have been known to constantly just allow convenience to override what we actually view our freedoms as. So ecosystems for people, they get locked in easier because they don't have the money to get out without having to think if I want to play Skyrim again, suddenly I have to rebuy Skyrim, but I already have Skyrim on PlayStation. So even if I don't like what PlayStation is doing right now, it, I don't have the money are ne necessary to pull this off. And that's a problem. Well, is I'm not saying that it comes out either way. And this leads to my final point, And then I'll let you do it. My final point overall is I think the real answer to this is that 
and part of the reason I think this whole idea of anti-consumer is so weird is that the idea of a business in general is inherently anti-consumer. The whole point of the business to exist is to get your money. Well, that's not anti-consumer and spending money on a product. Anti-consumer is then doing something that does not benefit you when it is available somewhere else. That, that's the whole thing. Is like the anti-consumer thing. All the, it really, I don't think anything's anti-consumer. I think it's just some companies are more pro-consumer than others. That's about all it is, is that there are companies who are essentially consumer because that's but what going, a company is. Going back to the nature of a company, though, you don't – there is no such. There is. I don't name one person in the world that you know of that doesn't compare companies. Well, that's what I mean. But that's why yeah, I say nobody does. Why does it need to be or anti or pro consumer? I think at that point it's just some companies are a better fit for you. And in that moment, if you want to pull that word out of your butt, then I guess it's more pro consumer for you. But just because Sony's not doing something the exact way you want them to do does not inherently make them an anti consumer. Their whole job is to get money from you. And the way that it goes is that if you look at what Microsoft's doing as a better benefit to you as a consumer, then Sony has to realize they're losing people to that, and then they have to change what they're doing. I don't think it makes anybody – this not, is a personal thing. I just think the wording of anti and pro-consumer are weird because but that's I not, don't think that that exists. All companies are different for a reason. That's not a viable mindset. That, well, that how mindset, do you mean? That, does, that mindset does not work because well, how do you mean? any criticism you ever make on any company is that that point is at fault. It's 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 automatically. I don't think so. But so when it, no, no. If you look if, at everything as if, if certain companies are more – more friendly to you as an individual. No, consumer, not only that. That's all you have to do. But I'm just saying, with any with any criticism you make on any company, if if the whole the only reason Sony's doing backwards compatibility is because Microsoft. I mean, maybe we assume so. No, that is yeah. because the eyelash of Microsoft or eyelash of Sony because of Microsoft. That's that's how companies work. Yeah, but I, again, that's what I'm saying. If there wasn't outlash, you just proved exactly what I said. Though is that someone looked at it and Sony said, "Well, we're losing people who like the idea of backwards compatibility, and we're going to lose them more next gen if Xbox doubles down on backwards but compatibility." But anti-consumer is not a viable mindset. Saying anti-consumerism doesn't exist, or is that it's not that one person's anti-consumer. No, I think the wording is weird. I just there, I just said the basic mindset behind it is fine. I think going into every situation and saying they have to be anti or pro consumer goes against the whole that. point. Nobody's of, saying that. Well, but that's, that's essentially what happens. Is no, no, no. We're, we're, we're talking about the context, right? The, right, context, the context when it is comes a criticism in. of specific points that Sony is currently doing. Mm-hmm. That is in comparison to another console at launch because that's what we're comparing it to. It makes that's, them that's less whole, of a pro. No, but for you but as an individual consumer, but at that that's point, what I mean. at that point, you're just flipping words around and moving goalposts in a way because you're going from a bad word to criticize a favorite brand versus a positive word. I don't. I, I don't even mean that. I'm not even trying to bring in a positive or a pro. What I'm saying is, on an individual level, all companies are immediately different to every individual consumer. Just because Microsoft does one thing, the one thing that they do that is being considered, if we're going to bring the word in, pro-consumer, may not matter to me at all. So it's not a pro for me as an individual consumer, but it's a pro to someone else as an individual consumer. But that's not So the when thing. I'm going into all I'm saying is that on an individual level, all companies are a better or worse fit for certain people. And that's all it comes down to. I just think that the pro and anti-consumer wording gets thrown around, and what they end up being is they end up being uh, – catchphrases that people kind of just throw out and go, well, this is inherently bad because this is this. It's not catchphrases. What, what it literally is is, is that it's, it's what this company offers versus this company and which company is offering the, the, the better package, quote unquote, or the better, um, I, I guess, yeah, just the, 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 the wider variety of options 
for the same thing versus the other company because that's how you look at a company. I look at Taco Bell and I'm like, cool, Taco Bell has this, but then those tacos are trash compared to uh, tacos for life, which is way more expensive but has better tacos. But then also ta- subjective, though. That's what I mean. Is that when you look at this, like okay, tacos for life. Let's bring your example. But, when I ate there, I didn't enjoy it. If I say that they're better quality tacos, it's the same thing. What do you mean? If I say that the tacos for life tacos are better quality than Taco Bell's, it is subjectively true. Yeah, I mean, there are objective elements. You can say, well, maybe they use better ingredients or this or whatever, but you may not like it as much. And that's what I'm saying. Even then, objectively, going it's, back it's into made, it. it's not as mass-produced. It's not as low-quality meats. It's not as low-quality cheeses. Sure. It's not as low-quality tortillas. And yet, somehow, Taco Bell might taste better to you. Sure. but then that's that, what I mean. Is that, And on every individual level, I guess the, what I'm coming into here is that this is looking at everything as if – all consumers have to exist as a singular entity that are all the same, in which we're not. But even then, that's why me and you draft. You know, me and but you that's have a, such big differences between the things that we do and don't. But that's that's a very business way of looking at things. That's not what an individual person looks at. If anything, businesses look at consumers as groups, and I think that that's honestly what I'm saying is more of looking at the consumer as an individual. But that doesn't. That what, but what I'm saying though is, is that you keep saying pro consumer when in reality, sure. But I'm not some, saying pro consumer. I, I don't want either of those words to be played here but because that, they but, end up inherently they, looking. Where this is what I mean by they get they get thrown around as um, it's like we, in the boys when you're watching. They're looking at market wording and how people respond buzzwords. to what it is. Right? It's a buzzword. Thank you. That's actually what I've been looking for yeah. this whole time. Right? When you have a buzzword, buzzwords will inherently carry either a positive or a negative annotation, uh, connotation to them. So when and someone who may not even realize what's going on, and all you say is Sony's being anti-consumer because they won't do this. It's an excuse me. It's inherently looked at that it has to be a bad thing, but it may not be a bad thing for the person because they may not care. They may look at it and go, "Well, that's fine. I don't really care." But what you're doing is you're putting you, you are automatically assuming or assigning a buzzword label to this, which automatically assigns this word as a negativity. You see what you're doing? I mean, you're yeah, doing, I'm, I'm doing exactly what I'm talking but, about. But you're doing what a buzzword is. If a buzzword is automatically something that's like, okay, that's probably something negative or positive that they're using, you're doing, you're assigning it the same thing by calling it a buzzword. My, my, my example, I get, okay, I get what you kind of mean there, but my example for this is that when you're not part of a situation and you're not part of a group or, you know, say that you're the more standard consumer that's not looking at this on the enthusiast level that we typically do. Right. When you you're hear, ca- when you hear these person. words, it's, it's a lot like, and I only bring this up because it's a good example, it's a lot like politics, where essentially, if you're raised into certain levels of politics, all you know is that certain things inherently mean good because that's what you've always been taught are good because you've heard the word reused enough times to be like, well, that inherently has to mean that it's a good thing or this inherently has to be a bad that's thing. That's the fault of you. or the That's the fault of you or your group that you're in for not educating yourself and making well, it. Well, maybe, guess. but that's because buzzwords like that or whatever you want to say, those words that are used as something that you quickly assign to something to immediately put it below or above or below for Everybody doesn't work, in my opinion. I'm trying see, to think of a better way to word this. And I'm, I'm not. I'm not I'm kind sure. of failing on that. See, but. I'm not sure I even agree on that because, in my opinion, what a buzzword is is just a hot topic that's being talked about and thrown around. And, and it's, then maybe buzzword isn't the right word for what I'm saying, but I'm saying that they these words are existing, and I don't think this is the fault of the companies. This is the fault of media and what is a good word. The whole anti and pro consumer. The reason that those labels picked up so much steam is because media started using them in the way they were. So media gave these words the power, and then when people see them. 
them. They inherently think if the, if the, if all they read, right. And this is very true of most things. If all you read is Sony's being anti-consumer, then immediately someone sees it and goes, well, I guess Sony's being anti-consumer. And idiots. I agree that you, I agree idiots. that people should read, but as we already know, most articles are not actually read. Most but, articles are read by at the same time though. Um, headline alone. The people interacting with us that we're mm-hmm. talking with us about are not those people. Yes, and I am so thankful that this is people having a dialogue. I'm just saying that those words inherently carry something, and I personally, and, and I guess that's the best way I can say it, is I personally think that there is m- people should be more in line with just looking at everything, not as what the media will say is pro or anti-consumer. Just bring it, any given situation into yourself. Look at it, and don't even think about all these ridiculous words. Just go, I'm looking at, say for some reason, the situation here is that you're looking at the PS5, but you're also looking at the Xbox Series X. Which is what this is all based on. Yeah. So if you're looking at those two things, instead of worrying about all this crap, just look at it and go, which one do I like more? That's all you have to say. You on the individual level, not everybody has a thing. That's all I'm saying is that people should have a little bit more... Don't worry about what everyone else is doing. Don't worry about the mob mentality or the tribe mentality. Try and break away from it and just look at it for you and you only and go, Games Pass objectively is a great deal. Is it a great deal for me? How many of the games in Games Pass will I actually play? Very little? Okay, so maybe it's not a good deal for me. Maybe PlayStation doesn't have that. Let's look at what PlayStation has. Okay, PlayStation doesn't have that, but they have PS Now. PS Now is objectively a worse value because there's less games on there or less new games. But you look at it and go, well, I've already spotted 40 games I'd play on this versus five games I'd play on Games Pass. It's not that one's inherently better or inherently worse as a whole. It's it's inherently better or it's inherently worse for you. That's but all that's that really a, matters. That's a different conversation than the one we're having. Well, even if you want to because say even asked, if you say pro consumer anti consumer, I asked the question the way because of the article chose to word it, and I I'm still interested in seeing if people think that they're being a worse company. I'm just saying for me personally, I think the wording gets. T- I think we get too lost in the wording and not enough into which one is better or worse for me as an individual. See, I don't, I don't. I don't not, I don't I don't get it's, I don't know if I disagree with that or like I just if I am talking with somebody about something like this I'm going to assume they have the intelligence that any opinion they have formed is an, as a researched opinion and not somebody who reads clickbait headlines and runs with it because if that's the case that I know within five minutes of that conversation on if we're having a true conversation about this or if I'm I'm literally just talking to somebody reciting headline information. Yeah, I mean, and I think that realistically anybody gets caught up in these things, right? Like Joe Rogan had a saying where he re- he regurgitated a story that was apparently false, and he didn't do enough looking. Well, not only that, it. and my point being is that everybody can fall trapped to that. I fall in trap well, to thinking something you, might be true for a second, and then realizing, oh no, that wasn't true. Well, at all. if you use Joe Rogan as an example, then you <laughs> go with him saying about video games were trash for you, but he plays yeah, video games. But he plays video games yeah. exactly. So I mean, we all fall into these traps. I mean, I I think I've probably done a poor way of. My poor job of wording exactly what I'm trying to get at to it. I just think that you just think that I, I could. I think I could sum up for what you're trying to say in a very quick way. But you think that any kind of label like that automatically adds a negative connotation to it without no, negative research. or positive without due diligence. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, I could see that, but it doesn't mean it's any less true. Maybe not. I just think that people and the reason I bring that up is it's that like these the word, are the exact types of words that fanboys cling to. You know what I mean? 
Well, I mean, yeah, but I think there's biasism in that, isn't there? Absolutely, there's biasism in that. That's what I, it's kind of what I mean. The reason they're getting clung to is because people can pull their own biases and try and give their thing to it and then try and flip it on someone. The crazy thing is, is that people who are crazy Sony, everything Xbox has to do is bad, are going to look at Microsoft and say either what they're doing is anti-consumer in its own way and they'll find a way to bring up it and they say, well, while Microsoft has Games Pass, guess what else they have going on? They still won't let you play Fortnite unless you have an Xbox Live. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like somebody will find a way, and that's the that, problem that with that technically mentality. Technically, it's anti-consumer, though, isn't it? I mean, because it, it's offered by Sony. Exactly, but it's not that it's anti-consumer. It's that in that moment, no, that if that's all you care but about, that is anti-consumer. But if that's all you care because about, then com- Sony has done a better job. Well, that's all that's I'm saying, though. I mean. Is that, but that's anti-consumer inherently because Sony offers a more pro solution, a pro-consumer solution to playing online games for, for, for free. They offer a better solution for you. But as an individual but even consumer. Then, even then, though, as a basis of an argument is that. If you don't give a shit about Fortnite or any free-to-play games, well, that's then, what I'm saying. then that doesn't come into play at all. Free-to-play online games is free on one service, and then you have to have a subscription on another. Yeah. That's inherently pro-consumer and anti-consumer. No, because, again, you're, no. looking, you're looking at it's only on the individual, individual level. One is either a better fit for you or a worse fit for no, you. No, that's for everybody. That's for, like, that, those... Not if you don't care. If you're, think about it this way. If you're going to buy an Xbox... And you don't care about Fortnite at all I, when you're going to buy. I'm it. Aware, and you buy Halo Five, but and I'm you're a, going. I have to have. But I'm aware micro, about. I have to have Xbox Live to play Halo you Five. You can't argue that when we compare numbers of companies that, of these, that these sold when that doesn't have anything to do with the individual. So you can oh, look back, back up at, just a hair on that one. I didn't hear the beginning of that. I don't, so, I don't think so. We have celebrated PlayStation selling X amount of consoles before. Mm-hmm. Yes, that has nothing to do with us or our view of them as an individual, but we can still celebrate it because sure. that is a more of a group thing, right? That's more of a that they've sold this. Many. We all bought consoles. We all bought consoles. Bam. That still does not matter to us. I mean, it matters in the sense that the more consoles they sell, the more likelihood they have on to a business have- level. I mean, yeah. On a business, yeah, on a business level. level. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. You can look at these on either a business or consumer level, and that's fine. Well, okay, even on a consumer level, let's say this way. If, but we if don't, you're buying it as a consumer, at, right, as an individual, if you look and go, wow, a bunch of other individual consumers bought the PlayStation as well, how there's often, a higher chance that we're going to get more exclusives, more quality exclusives, maybe more third-party But I feel like you're picking this argument here to look at as, a, as an individual thing when we don't look at things like that typically. I mean, it depends on what you as a person is trying to do. The point of this show is to look at both ways because we have interest. That's what I'm saying, Or at least though. I do. I, I, I won't speak for you. I have interest in both the business side and the individual consumer side. I don't really care about the business side of any of these companies yeah. unless one of them goes bankrupt. Yeah, I find it interesting. That's essentially See, what it is for I don't, me, right? I don't, I don't find it interesting. I don't have stakes in these companies. I don't fanboy over numbers. I don't care. I don't care if Microsoft sells 20 million Xbox Series 1s on, X, on day one. Yeah, Good but for inherently, them. I guess where we're going with this is inherently business decisions and business things and looking at things from a business perspective do help inform what might happen to you, again, as an individual consumer. But even then... Right? Because if you look at it and say, like I just said, if you know that looking at their business and being into it and going, well, they've priced this at two ninety nine, which is smart because that's going to get more people in. And if more people get and in, how many for me have, as a consumer, but, I can look at that and go, more people are going to get on my system, which has a higher chance of my system being around for longer. It's like, a, it's like the example but of even when the, you look at a company that's barely been around, right? And you have a buy, you, you look and say, I can buy this really expensive piece of tech, but there's a good chance that this company doesn't stay around and then this tech doesn't ever get updated. I don't never get new things for it. Ouya is a perfect example. Yeah. You buy this piece of tech, you go, I'm buying it on the hopes that something actually happens. When you see bad business decisions happening, you look and go, for me as an individual consumer, this sucks because it means that 
this thing I bought and maybe enjoy a little bit is going to have a lot less content for it or it's not going to get updated. And if it ends up having problems, the chances of there being a warranty that gets honored are lower because the company may not be around anymore. I mean, inherently, they do influence each other. If you look at not everybody wants to, but if you do look at business decisions, which I think most people will eventually do at some level, be it micro or macro, being like, oh, this is a good price for this. It's like when people looked at Series S, right, and said two ninety nine is a great price for a next-gen console, because it is. Yeah. And you look at that and go, well, the upside, hopefully, is, is that more people buy that. That means more people are in the Xbox ecosystem, which means that if I, as an individual consumer, choose to go through and buy an Xbox Series X, more people that do that hopefully means that I get more value out of this box because they have more capital to work with. Again, I just think, and I know that we've done both, but... I we do. only urge people to spend more time thinking about themselves and less time thinking about other people in this because the more you start to think about other people, you well, start I'm to not hang saying up to, on I'm people. not saying to think about you, more, yeah. but, I, but I'm saying inherently the, the problem with the, the, the thought process of thinking about the individual thing is not typically something we, that is thought of or done when discussing a company. When you're discussing a company's movement, a change that they've made, a new feature, something or another, we have almost never brought it up to, oh, well, that doesn't really affect me. I don't care. We say, oh, that's going to affect all these people. We don't think of ourselves yeah, in that. Well, yeah, because we're but choosing to look at that's it. What I'm saying, that's why, that's why I have an inherent issue with the way we're talking about it now is because now we're talking about it in terms of pro-consumerism versus Xbox I mean, or yeah, anti-consumerism And I think the Xbox. only way this conversation can be done at all is through context. Yeah. But I still think it's weird because – Context exists for everything. If you really want to look at it, you can look at context of a PlayStation versus uh, well, that's a, I, a smartphone. It's like, well, which one? Well, they only, have context within themselves, not of course, that, but, but you don't typically give them that value. You bring up the other side of the other company. Yeah. That's why I brought up Fortnite on Xbox yeah. versus Fortnite on PlayStation. And it's inherently, for everybody in the world, it's inherently more anti-consumer on Xbox because you have to have a, a subscription. Yeah. Look, I don't want to get too lost in it. We, we go ahead and move on a little bit. I haven't gotten any from Facebook over there. I want to see. Let's see. Do, do, do. Mr. Joshua Lago, one of our friends, says, I don't think they seem anti-consumer, but they're doing that thing that they sometimes do where they're sticking to their own vision and being very selective about which popular features and trends they implement, and it's resulting in some rather baffling choices. Maybe it ends up working out, though. Who knows? And I think that actually is mirrored by some, what someone else said, if I remember and it may not be here. It might have been Twitter. Someone along the way had mentioned that it's just essentially Sony doing what they've always done. Actually, it might be this one. Rude Days 93, one of our patrons, says, I won't say PlayStation is being anti-consumer. They are just sticking to their traditional way, ways in the console market that has worked for them. Xbox, in his opinion, is evolving and going a non-traditional route. That more, and It's more in line with Microsoft, which I, what we talked about. Microsoft is more about getting on and being like, hey, we're a software place. All yeah. we're doing is giving you a hardware box so that you have a way into our software, but the hope in the long run is just to get our software everywhere. Which next gen is inherently not going to be the thing. Yeah. Or it will, but it won't be like that. Yeah, we'll definitely see how like that works out. Uh, he says, offering a subscription to games, doing payment plans, putting their games on services uh, and services on any device possible, all things that Microsoft tries to do with all their products and services since the new CEO took over. Their ecosystem is definitely something you can see as a consumer-friendly, but I don't think that makes Sony seem anti-consumer. It's just two different approaches to the ever-growing video game business. And I guess that at the heart of what this really is, this is what I'm saying, is that once you 
you do, once you strip these words of all their weird values, all you get to see is go, here's two different paths that you can take. Which path is a better sit, a situation for either me as an individual consumer, which I think is a better way to go about it, or at the very, very least, me as a group of consumers and those are those groups are plenty and multiple because even if I'm sure there's another gamer out there that's very very strongly in line with pretty much exactly where I am on everything it's it's very likely yeah, it's very likely so when you look at that we there are groups and I'm not going to say that we can't exist in a group situation but essentially you just got to look at is it more friendly for me and do I care? And that's what I was talking about with that Fortnite thing is that ultimately if you don't play any free to play games and that's not of interest to you, then that doesn't, inf- that doesn't affect your decision at all. But that's not what we're talking so, about. I, I know that's not what we're talking about on the grand level. That's the lower whole level, point I was trying to make though. I get what you're saying. I do. But uh, yeah, I like that basic answer because it's, it's more of looking at it and saying one, both of them are doing things that are just letting you buy it and choose. And essentially what happens by both of them existing is we're going to give you a choice to buy things and do things the way that we're doing them. Or we're going to give you a choice, which all consumers, if you want to group us all together, the one thing that we do have in common a choice. as consumers is we have free choice to spend our money wherever we choose. Yeah. And that's why they, they that's why they don't care about you because like yeah. if I walk into CVS and somebody's rude, I'll go to Walgreens and CVS does not care about me going there at all. Because it's another weird. person it, will walk in the door and replace It's like me. that double-edged sword, though, thing, right? Where it's like you equally can't care too much because ultimately everyone's going to go where they want to go. But at the same time, whatever you can do to try and appeal to the largest group of people to make the largest group of people you can possibly get think that you are the better choice is ultimately what happens. But it is come and go. I mean, ultimately, you decide whether you care enough about what that complaint or suggestion or whatever is that may have made that person leave versus how much you care about how much you care about that in relation to the fact that there's a million other people that are still going to buy your stuff versus how much you care about, well, I can also get that one million and one person, you know? The fun fact is, is that all companies have uh, margin and they actually have data where they, they're like, these are the amount of people that will no, shall no longer shop with us this year. Mm-hmm. How can we fix this? And what's their demographic to appeal to? And how do we get them back? And how many new consumers are coming into the consumer pool every day? Yep. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's. it's there's all a lot to it. Yeah, um, I'm gonna go grab. I don't think we've done any off of Twitter yet. Um, so we're gonna do two more. I'm gonna do one more from Facebook, and we'll do one from Twitter. Um, one from Facebook here is, and I, I, I this one's a longer one, and I like it. It's Josh Shoop. He says, "I have what I think most people would consider a very hot take when it comes to everything going on with the PlayStation and Xbox. This might be my old man yells at the sky moment, but I think it's ridiculous that people expect and demand all the free back uh, backwards compatibility as well as free upgrades for the new systems. The way I see it is that growing up, I never." saw I, I think there's something is that growing up i never saw any other so i think saw any other gamer that was demanding nintendo to give us free super nintendo games if they came from nintendo such as mario all-stars and whatnot i think it's silly because if you want to play your old games i feel like you should just keep your old system microsoft and sony don't owe us anything and i think that if you want to play a game that was on ps4 that has been slightly upgraded because of the playstation's 5 hardware then maybe they can just sell the games for slightly less so this goes back into the comparisons because if Sony, like it's a perfect example, Control, with the way Control is doing things mm-hmm. versus The Witcher. Witcher, you get to play all up in nice upgrades for free. Mm-hmm. And what was the other game that got announced this week that you can do the same thing for? Um, it was actually a Sony first party game, I think. But it's 
Oh, yeah, uh, we'll talk about that. Yeah, but we got it. You know, you, you have Maneater was one of them, surprisingly. Winner. What a weird game. I mean, like, it's cool. I'm glad for them, but free upgrade to PS5. <laughs> but I mean, there, there's like, there's companies who are making games not be free mm-hmm. with, with just resolution and frame rate increases. And then there are companies that are doing them for free with all the extra added work. Mm-hmm. And that's how it's going to work. That's just, that, that's, it may be dumb, but that's how it will happen because one company's going to do one thing and they're going to get compared to another. Yeah. I think that one thing to look at here is like, you know, if say the Sony first party ones, right? Like in the news, I'll go ahead and kind of spoil it. It's Ghost of Tsushima. That's it's going to run yeah. at, 60 frames. At, at 60 frames per second uh, or up to 60 frames per second. I, and again, people are worried about that. I think it's just choose your words because if you drop for two seconds, you're technically not running at a locked 60, but that's more or less a pretty good 60 frames per second. But, when you have that going on, and that is a game that just came out, but the only the only improvement you're seeing is with the load times, which are inherent to the system itself, and then uh, because Sucker Punch happened to make their games with unlocked options, unlocked frame rate options, then that means that you get to tap into the 60 frames per second thing. Now, the difference between this and Spider-Man, right? And you can go, well, why are they not charging for, for Ghost? Well, Ghost is not doing what Spider-Man's doing. They're not completely changing character models. They're not upgrading shaders. They're not going through and adding ray tracing and choosing exactly how to implement that. So there is more of a reason for Sony to go, well, we're going to charge for Spider-Man because we've done more work with Spider-Man. And the other one's just an inherent benefit. And all I'm getting at there is I think if each company is at least being consistent within themselves, that's what typically makes sense to me. Yeah. And that's the kind of thing about, like, you know, because you can bring up the fact that I had a lot to say about about the, how control was handled. My only problem with how control was handled is that it wasn't consistent and it made no sense. I'm okay with right. whatever decision you make as long as a company, as long as that decision makes consistent sense throughout everything else you're doing. And it is weird, and I think that's why people sometimes do try to go quickly to well microsoft's doing this which is really great but then over here they're still doing this thing that i view as bad well because ultimately it feels inconsistent with their messaging if their messaging is we're going to be the place that is the most friendly place to be in terms of you're going to get as much bang for your buck as possible then by having a bunch of games that you can play for $15, $10 a month, whichever you choose, but then also having this other free-to-play game that you can't play without spending money, those two things don't immediately come together in a way that makes sense. Right. So that's why people look at it. And Sony and Microsoft and Nintendo all do this all the time. They have their moments where for some reason they make a decision that does not jive well with another decision to make a a company that feels like it's being consistent. And that's a reason Or they make a decision that just doesn't feel like a decision they would make. Yeah. That, that it feels, feels out of character. Yeah, it feels inconsistent for that reason there. Yeah. Um, last one on Twitter, Kyle Grimm. He says, based off pre-orders and the excitement of watching that video and the chills I got while watching the announcement, I'm going to have to say no. Price could have been $600. They could have shown me, wait, they could have just shown me a price and no gameplay and I'd still buy it. Xbox is still more consumer friendly. So, so I get, kind of exactly, <laughs> it's interesting. <laughs> So, so Xbox is more consumer friendly, but they're not being inherently anti-consumer in this situation. Yeah, that's what, that's what I'm reading from this too. And I, I like that what he kind of looks at here. He kind of brings in something which I think is important and that ultimately what they're doing and which company seems more, again, when you want to throw these labels in, which company fe- seems more one way or maybe even if you want to give it just straight objective value is more in one value. Hey, this is we're better at this particular option. It still ultimately comes down to how you feel in the situation. Xbox could be the better option 
for 99% of people. But if when you're watching PlayStation, you're just actively more excited, then that you're not in the wrong for that. And PlayStation's yeah. fine. And if you're okay with everything that PlayStation's asking you to do as one of their individual consumers, then yeah, or you're, even you're good. On the, on the same side of the coin... That you can have PlayStation doing everything perfectly, but one thing, yeah. and then that is the yeah. one thing you view. Like, yeah. like that's me and with the, and the Spider Man, and somebody else said the same thing, where they could have handled Spider Man more more betterly than they did. I, I think so too. And like you know how we talked about inconsistency, right? It's inconsistent. That's inconsistent. It's inconsistent that for that's some reason it's only so existing much. in one place, and it does. Like, I don't really think anybody would care as much if you could just buy these the remaster separately. That's why, yeah. That, that's it. That's the that's that's to me. That is the anti-consumer point or part. Is that like that doesn't benefit anybody except the people who spend seventy dollars to buy it. Yep. And and that and it's weird because if you're just now coming to PS Five, but you want to play Spider Man, but you want to play it in its newest form, and you'd be willing to pay. 20, no, like 30, 40 for a remastered version before you had committed to also buying Miles Morales. Because what if you hate Spider Man? What if you end up hating the game and you don't like it? Why then? Now you've spent seventy dollars on two games that you won't like. <laughs> That's true. So it's it is weird, but yeah. Thank you everyone for the responses. Uh, this has been an interesting episode because I think it brings up a lot of interesting way that people view things, and sometimes trying to word the way. And I, I mean, I'll be honest. I'm, I'm I am almost positive I could have worded. I'm gonna probably go back and listen and be like, I could have said this and it would have made yeah. so much more sense. But you're trying to just get something out. And that's kind of the fun of podcasts, though. Is in the moment <laughs> ramblings but we're going to head over into the news so thank you guys um and if, remember if you want to be part of next week's uh communities take you can follow us on twitter at triangle sqrd or you can head over into our discord which is always linked down in the description below or you can go over to facebook and our group is triangle square to playstation podcast but in the news first thing starting a little lighter cd project red have announced that cyberpunk 2077 has finally gone gold ahead of its november 19th release uh, not alone in this, Marvel Spider-Man, Miles Morales, as we were just talking about, and I guess technically the remastered version of the 2018 Spider-Man have gone gold ahead of their November 12th release. Uh, PS Now continues to bring in Sony's exclusives after they've been out for a while, which is kind of what I expected. Uh, so the October lineup is adding Days Gone a, about a year and a half after it came out. It's adding Medieval about a year after it came out. Friday the 13th. Trying for the Nightmare Prince, and lastly, Rad, which I remember seeing, but I don't know much about. Yeah, that's the same thing with me. PS Now, I think, is, and this is why it's weird, right? Going back to what we were just talking about, when you have this comparison, naturally, and as Blake and I were talking months ago, I've still been relenting on completely comparing PS Now and, and um, Games Pass because of the fact that while they're very similar, and I, w I would always relent to that, there are similar aspects to them. You, and pay, Sony, you pay a monthly subscription, you get games free. Yeah, you get games that you can play. But the difference between the two of them is that PlayStation Now had always been a streaming platform, and Xbox Games Pass had not. Well, but now that Xbox has uh, xCloud, I think that now, PS you, Now and xCloud, uh, or Xbox Games Pass, are, are completely fair game to compare without any restrictions well yeah not only that but i think that it goes to show you that when a company makes something that people will cl claim isn't worth something like games pass they'll say games pass is not is not worth it or games pass is not the right way to go and the same thing goes for ps now where people say nobody cares about game streaming that's not the way to go well you see that you're incorrect and for you personally, you might not care, but it's incorrect because you have these two titan of companies who are making their own platforms to compete. 
xCloud would not be a thing if PS Now was not a thing. Or at least not as soon as it was, very likely. Yeah. Also, Google and, Stadia. And download list. Amazon's new thing. All I the, forgot about that. All the PS4 download list that started in PS Now, what, three years ago? I think two years ago. Two years ago, right, right around Game Close Pass kind of rising up in terms of, of what it is. So yeah. it's kind of like that, that goes to show you that's proof right there that the companies see it matter. Yeah. And that's, you know, they want that money. Yep. And yeah, and this goes back to that thing of how much do you really care about the fact that, yeah, maybe I will never see that person again, but also can I get that person back if I also make my service a little bit more like the service they may have left me for? Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of curious. We'll see how this works. Yeah. Now, next thing up, Mortal Kombat 11 has its next combat pack lined up and brings Melina back, excuse me, to the game, which I remember being a big deal that she wasn't in the game. As well as adding Rain and Rambo to the game. I don't know if you've seen this trailer. I'm not against it necessarily as much as it's just... I know that for a while now, people have gotten to this point where they really like that fighting games are just bringing in crazy characters. I hate that so much. How did you feel about Steve being added to... Uh, Steve from Minecraft being added into Smash Bros? That, that's a little different. Because Smash Bros. has always been about... Smash Bros. has always been about that, but Mortal Kombat specifically is really weird because they always want to add in, in my opinion, stupid characters like Freddy Krueger and Jason and Predator. stuff. Yeah, and and now it's Rambo. I feel like Ed Boon is just like reliving what he liked in the 80s, so he's just like, let's go add all these cool characters to it, which is cool. His prerogative, yeah. Yeah, that's cool. I I think it's so cheesy and I think clearly people like it. And that's the thing. Well, this clearly, goes back because, to the thing where I don't care for that at all. But yeah, clearly, clearly because um, it works. People are buying these. Yeah. Uh, next one, Need for Speed Hot Pursuit, which I think now is going to mark EA's second remaster. Uh, Criterion's PS3 reboot of the original PS1 game, in case you didn't know. Uh, release uh, is going to be remastered and releasing on November 6th. This makes sense to me ahead of Criterion being the new developer that's going to move the super long-running racing franchise forward. Um and it gives people who may have never played any of the Criterion PS3 Need for Speed games a chance to get a feel for what those are going to be moving forward in case they don't have a PS3 because they are considerably different. So if you've gone into just now getting into Need for Speed with maybe the 2016 reboot or Payback, which is free right now for people, or you played Heat and really liked it, be prepared for the fact that Criterion's games are not similar at all. And I have a feeling that even though this is a new game, the reason they're choosing to remaster this game is that their new game is going to be more in line with this than what we've seen. Also, even though they've not confirmed it yet that I'm aware of, this brings more of the fact that EA is continuing to be interested in remasters. So that uh, that long-rumored, long-wanted Mass Effect trilogy is probably going to happen. I would love it. Yeah, probably going to happen. We'll see. be interesting if they choose to do it as PS5. I don't think so. Makes more sense to do it on PS4 and Xbox uh, One. So now we're getting to the big thing of it, which is Ghost of Tsushima, as we kind of talked about earlier, announced its free update to version 1.1, which adds in the... And what I mean by start of this is, this is uh, this week had so much Sony news, <laughs> and I don't know that any of us necessarily anticipated it, but we kind of... Saul and I existed in this thing of when Saul complains, we normally get something. That's why That's why I'm mad that they haven't showed off the UI for the PS5 yet. Sony, where are you at, you cowards? Show yeah. us the UI. You're taking <laughs> so, too long. Anyway. You guys will get the UI next week. Thank you. You're welcome. There, there you go. Um, 
what this 1.1 version adds is the Legends multiplayer mode that we saw earlier this year, as well as a new game plus option, which has been really common for Sony's exclusives to do months after release, come back and patch in new game plus, uh, which I am not necessarily opposed to, but I guess it does beg the question of, would it have been a big deal to delay the game to have New Game Plus day one? Or is there more of a benefit to feel like you've had months away from the game and now New Game Plus may bring you back to it? I don't know where I, I think, land on I that. I think most of the time, New Games Plus will bring you back to it. It's how I land on it. So you think it's fine to have it be months away where people can beat it, maybe still think fondly of it, be like, I have a reason to go back now because it'll be a little different. Yeah, I mean, that's yeah. that's for, for me. Like, I, I'm not saying Dark Souls shouldn't release without a New Game Plus until months later, but I think that it's it's... Uh, depends on the type of game yeah clearly dark souls has always had dark, uh, new game plus and new game plus multiple modes it's kind of built into the game design so yeah it makes sense uh one of the things that new game plus brings uh is the inclusion of a new flower for players to collect called the ghost flower that has an exclusive merchant to get new dies and vanity items with when you're playing in your new game plus file that's cool i like that it's an interesting setup uh next thing is the past week we saw a big update, the start rather of a big update to PlayStation's trophy system. Users should notice that the trophy level has changed due to a restructuring and how trophy levels are increased as well as a new level cap of 999 up from its original cap of 100. New emblems come as part of this level change to show how close you are to breaking into the next tier with trophy levels now being ranked in the trophy format with levels 1 through 299 being a bronze and depending on how far along you are, that bronze emblem continues to evolve. And then once you break into the silver, which is levels 300 to 599, it does the same thing, continues to evolve as you get closer to the gold, which is 800 through 998. And lastly, the platinum uh, icon or emblem, as you might say, is at level 999. Uh, I think this is a cool idea. I do think that it would be... I would have loved for them to give a little bit more information about the way that they intend for trophies to be weighted against each other. Cause someone was talking about, and this is a good question. Someone was talking about the fact of, do you really want the trophy level to go up the same amount? If you get a platinum in something like my name is Mayo versus if you get a platinum in something like dark, dark souls three, <laughs> interesting that we both go there. Yeah. Um, but it's a good, exa- it's a good example because realistically one is a lot more challenging and requires a lot more time. Now, both of them can be platinums and they can go through your towards your platinum count, but should your trophy level be weighted more with a harder to get platinum? Who is up to weighting the trophies? That would have to be on PlayStation at that point. And would they do it for every one? Or could there be glitches like where Dark Souls Three doesn't count to anything or stuff like that? Yeah, it does. It does bring the potential. Like, what's the work versus issues? reward kind of thing there? Yeah, I think maybe the way that you go about doing it, which it's weird, but because then you're kind of pulling from some people. But it'd be kind of cool if. One of the things people were talking about, and also I want to bring up before I forget about it, uh, PlayStation France had a thing where apparently it was, I don't know why they didn't give it to us and why it wasn't specifically in ours, but it looks like PlayStation 5 will have trophy tracking at a system level. Where did that come from? PlayStation France. Why wasn't that part of like the initial trophy news? And see, that comes into a problem of it was apparently in the France one, but if you're going to be a global company, then how can't you even get a... You're being globally terribly, (laughs) Sony. Why is your global messaging not the same? So I'd wait with bated breath, but I have a feeling that that's probably going to be there. The fact that they're this committed to trophies means that they would have a reason to actually want to implement trophy tracking. This is getting exhausting. 
A little bit. Uh, but one of the things that I thought would be cool and a lot of people have talked about is to have it to where when you platinum a game, you earn a currency, and that currency lets you go through and uh, buy – it's specifically for things like avatars and that's teams. what that's what I mean. You're talking about at work the yeah. other day, but how Steam has that for except when you purchase a game. Mm-hmm. So like when you collect that, like it'd be cool to have a, a theme that you could only get with from having enough points from the platinum or something. And if I'm not mistaken, I could be wrong because I've never worried about it on Steam. But Steam has like collectible cards for games. I don't know how you go about getting. I don't. Them. Yeah, I don't know. They're I don't know e-cards. what that system is about. And then there are Steam and achievements. I, I play a lot on now. Yeah. And when you get Steam achievements, do you get that currency that you get from buying also? I don't think so. Okay, just curious. I didn't know. So yeah, I, that's I a cool way to work it in, though. I don't so. pay attention to none of that. Like Xbox could have this for all I care, and I don't like if it's related like an achievement or a trophy of some kind. I don't really care about it anymore. Yeah, no, I don't blame you. All right, next thing, which is the big thing, uh, a dump of different PS5 news clearly was given this week. But the beginning of it, the start of it all this week was a teardown, which is finally coming after it was teased from Mark Cerny during the initial tech talk. This finally gave us a look at the system's ports, of which we know it's got three USB-A ports, two of which are high speed, and then one of which is super speed. Uh, And then we also have a USB-C port, which is probably for the controller, but I'm curious because we know the the controller's end is USB-C. That does not mean that the other end has to be USB-C. It could be A. What is that USB-C for? I have a theory. Mm -hmm. It is for the next iteration of PSVR. Because right now, yeah, I can see that. the breakout box requires you to plug into a USB port. Now, I think what their goal might be in the long run is I have a strong feeling that the next PSVR still will not be wireless. I just don't think it's going to be. No, there's absolutely no way. There's not even a, a, a like, Oculus Quest is, like, the is the um, only thing, like, you can come across right now that is remotely wireless. Yeah, and it's only wireless because it's, you can play the with the onboard system. No, uh, the the or is it the Go? I thought it was the Quest. The Quest is tied to your phone, so like um, you're right. In the and is it the Oculus Go? Is that the one that is? I don't. I don't know what the Oculus Go is. I do know like the Oculus Quest is tied to your phone. I might be. I might be mixing them up, but like I'm pretty sure. No. Okay. So the Quest is the one that's standalone. It's 100 percent standalone, and you don't have to tie to anything. Maybe it's I'm thinking onboard. that you can download a Quest app or something, and then use your Probably. Quest app to download games. Probably. Uh, so there's that. But you know what's interesting about those is that the Quest has a tether cable that you can plug into your computer to make it act as essentially an Oculus Rift. Hmm. Interesting. So the point being is that bigger games, which is if you want to see VR push more forward, if you want to see bigger games, then you're going to need that cable. So my thing is that it's probably going to be set up to where you have a single cable, and hopefully that single cable is set up to where it's going through that uh, USB-C super speed. We will definitely find out. So evidently, those cards you get on Steam, you can sell on the marketplace for real money. It's a whole system I wasn't even aware of the thing. Like, I can sell this for $0.09, and then they pay $0.11. So they, they so Steam gets two cents technically. What? Yeah, I don't get it. I I could just throw them all up there and make twenty seven cents. That is wild. And then you can go to the marketplace itself and like look. That I did not know. I I've seen them, and like I it was reminded to me because when I bought Among Us the other day to play with Chris on computer, I noticed that they were there again. And I, was, you I'm, can get a sack of games or gems. 1,000 gems. What are the gems for? I don't know. <laughs> we may never know. Oh, man. So, uh, of course, we got to see the systems ports. Like I said, we get to see the innards of the console, the space in which the tech fills inside the casing that we, of course, know now. And lastly, but 
certainly not leastly, the cooling system that they are using in an effort to avoid the PS4's infamous noise levels, which everyone knows about. And also, I seldom hear my PS4 ever now. When I was playing Warzone, my PlayStation was just the entire time. I never hear that. I mean, I didn't hear it in The Last of Us 2. I didn't hear it in Ghost of Tsushima. I hear what it in Ghost is of going on? I hear it in uh, Warzone, and I heard it in... What is Warzone doing to my system? Dude, well, you better, Warzone going to break your console. I think that's what happened to Sean. <laughs> but, um, so here's the thing. How'd you feel about the teardown? In terms of now that we finally got something. That's pretty much all I wanted. Okay. How do you feel about... The big thing here, because I think I don't want to get too granular in all the actual system on chip stuff and different things that you can see. One of the things that for anybody who does pay attention to this type of stuff, it, it was it started with the PS4 Pro's motherboard, and I don't know why they've chose to do this. I assume it's even distribution of heat. I don't know though. the The CPU stack is on the opposite side of the RAM stack, and that was true on PS4 Pro as well. That has to be because of like a dissipa- dissipation of heat. But the Xbox Series X, the Xbox One that's X, none a computer, of them do that. like that's not how that typically is. Exactly, that's not something you see on computers. So this is something that Sony apparently has landed on as being some. We'll probably is that never a, know is the that reason a thing why. You see on tablets, I wonder. Oh, I don't know. I'm not. See, I don't do teardowns of tablets. Oh, you know what? I'd wonder what the Switch's teardown looks like. I should go look at one. I've never bothered to watch one. But with it having the Tegra Three, I wonder if they would have flipped it to try and help with heat dissipation. But also, is that what it's for? That's biggest best guess I can give you. But the cooling solution itself, for anybody who's interested in this kind of stuff and is looking, it's interesting that they're using a they're using kind of a mixture of things. So they're using a liquid metal TIM material, which is your thermal interface material, isn't that what it's called? Uh, TIM, isn't that what it stands I think for? So. Something like that. Anyway, instead of using a thermal paste, which is typically what you see, then you have a liquid metal reservoir that's kind of in there and then that goes to what is absolutely the largest heat sink i have ever seen it's massive it's big i don't think it's the largest one i've ever seen i don't know if i've ever seen one bigger i'm really trying to think now i'm sure one bigger that exists but i've never personally seen one Uh, and it's very oddly shaped and one of the things that i thought was interesting about this thing is that a lot of people expected them to use a vapor chamber because that's of course what we saw with xbox one x and it's going through with the series x as well but they're using a heat uh uh, (laughs) what this is a noctua uh uh air cooler (laughs) holy crap things about that big (laughs) With fans on it, though, that's interesting, yeah. too, because one of the things about the PlayStation 5's heat sink is that it doesn't have fans right there on it. Instead, using kind of the, down, the shaping of the system yeah, to give it an induction. a downflow effect. Yeah, um, but the they're using a heat tube to move the heat down and out, and they're saying that due to the size and, the, and everything that they've done, that they've tested and gotten these same results, which, of course, we'll never know until years down the road, but they went out of their way to specifically say that they saw the same results as a vapor chamber or a vapor. Yeah. Yeah. So interesting. Uh, if that means I, for anybody who I would honestly say this, if you're, if you've ever been curious and just want an appreciation of what goes into making consoles and some of the things is if you can look at the teardown of both the Xbox and the PlayStation, I think it's worth it because they go through very different things. Xbox is clearly, I think what got me right is that we know the PlayStation 5 is much bigger than the Series X. We know that. And now I think one of the things that became obvious in, in watching this teardown is that, and watching the teardown of the Series X, which I think you should do for context, is that 
Microsoft, I think, always had their a basic idea of what they wanted their form factor to be. And I think that they built their console to that restriction, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But I think Sony, on the other hand, and I think this also gives us the reason as to why we saw Xbox's design so early and why we didn't see PlayStation's actual physical design until so late, is that Microsoft already knew what they wanted their console to look like, then built it to that. I think Sony, on the other hand... They had to have something efficient enough. I think the Sony decided to go all out on whatever they wanted to do, again, their vision on the innards, and then wait to make the outside based off of what they needed for the inside. You know what I mean? It's like the outside design was reflected by what they had to have. Part of the reason I even say that is, do you ever look at the PlayStation 5 and just be like, whether you like it or not, be like, what made them do that? Not some, And I like a lot of it. And I look at it and go, what made them do that? Why did they curve this? Why did they do that? Why does this have a, why it does, does it get bigger towards the top? And why does it go slimmer towards the bottom? It does seem like every single design choice on the console was for something. Yeah. Whereas Xbox, when you look at it, and I don't, this brings up an interesting question too while we're talking about cooling. There's been a rumor going around, uh, and it seems like it's hit or miss. And I think that there's a reason, a reasonable explanation that someone said as to whether it's true or not. But the, the rumor is that the Xbox Series X is running hot. Now, no. And not even that it's running hot, no. actually, is that it produces a lot of heat. That's the best no. way to word it. It's that the back of it is warm. Yeah, but they say, like, again, not the, from the top, I thought is what people were saying. No, they out said the that if you, fill, if you fill out of the back where the ports are, it's warm, which is why it's concerning, because okay, there is yeah. no ports back there. Then apparently I've not no, done enough no, looking into this. There's no airflow back there. But from what people are saying, first of all, that Xbox knows who made that that claim. Oh. And they've apologized. <laughs> oh, the person has apologized? Y- yes. Uh, apparently their NDAs <laughs> are so strict that they know exactly who got consoles. And they could whittle down to exactly who said what about it. So um, they probably, I don't know if they apologize for misinformation or not, or if they apologize because they wanted to keep because working Because they on broke Microsoft. NDA? Yeah. yeah. Um, but for those that don't know, if you have a gaming computer, or if you have any electronic that has the tech that these things have in it, because it's a lot of stuff now, fill the back of it after like an hour. It's warm. And it will be warm. That's that's honestly, it's a good thing because it is that is the cooling system doing its job, and the heat is on the outside and not the inside. Yeah, which uh, is basic. I mean, and it's why they tell you not to put your consoles in like a restricted area where there's no airflow. Yeah, because that's the heat the is going to come. Sole out. reason. Um, yeah, it's not going to cook a steak or something with the heat coming out of it, but it'll be warm. Yeah. So when people talked about the the Series X thing, one of the things that came out of that is a lot of people who had not watched the Xbox teardown saw a screenshot of the Xbox where with the back panel slid off where you can see the way that everything was tagged in there. And again, not saying that this is anything, but it goes to show the clear differences in that it looks like Microsoft are like, we're going to, we're going to design to this box. And that means everything's going to be stacked up. I'm, I'm sure that thought went into how it was stacked and how heat would move throughout the system to ensure that it works. And it looks like, Again, Xbox has everything pulling air in and then moving vertically up through to the end of the port at the top, yeah. whereas PlayStation is the opposing way. It's pulling air from the top and through the shaping. It's, it's creating a little bit of a curve which to is, its setup. Which is still really, really But they're weird. both vertical instead of what we're used to which right now, horizontal. which is horizontal. Yeah. yeah, that's that's horizontal for those that don't know. When you build a PC, you want to have intake fans on the front with exhaust fans on the back, and then you will essentially want 
aired a constant flow through the side of the PC. You do have exhaust fans on top too, and that is just you help create more airflow. Mm-hmm. But going up and down is not something you will ever really commonly see. Yeah, maybe some kind of weird water cooling kit, sure. But and I think that makes sense as to why both of these consoles have stands. And that's not something like, you know, stands are more of a visual thing right and now. And these are actually utilitarian stands yeah. because it is it is to get your console off of the ground so that that airflow. Yeah, so you have that airflow. And, and in PlayStation's case, it seems like it's actually to let air escape out of the back. Which is... Whereas in Microsoft's case, it's to let the air pull up from the bottom. Wh- yeah, which is uh, not the thing normally. Like, yeah. So bringing stands into question, I don't know why... St- this I guess that this is just a thing of the console wars. I don't know why the stands got brought into so many people's minds as a point of contention. I'll tell you why. Because they come with them. I, I thought it was so weird because it's like people were talking down. Some people were talking down on PlayStation for having a stand that has a screw, which I think was weird because I like that the stand can be used in two different forms. That's just, and that they were smart enough nitpicking. to include in the design a storage spot, for a the storage screw. spot for the screw, which would have been the only complaint I would have had if they showed me a screw and then said, "Well, if you choose to go on the side with it, you got to keep up with the screw." Well, then of course you're going to lose that. But when you have not only a place to put the screw, but a cap for the screw hole, and then you can also move it, I don't understand. I didn't think that that was weird at all. Got honestly, on, got on Twitter and suddenly I realized the whole gaming world was blowing up over a screw and a stand. Honestly, it's because they come with the consoles now, and that's not been a thing. Like to buy the vertical stands on any of the other consoles, like forty five dollars. Yeah, they, and they only and come not, with the special editions. And not, well, I was gonna say, not typically on day one either. Yeah. See, but I like it. I think the I think both of the stands look good. I like that they're there day one. They're yeah. part of the console. I do agree. If we're going to nitpick on the fact that they have stands, I do agree that. Actually, in my opinion, I would have liked for Xbox's stand to be removable if you chose to sit it on its side. Is I don't care that you can't. No, it's built into the console. It's on the console. It's oh, on the I see unit. What you're saying. Yeah, yeah. So that round disc is actually part of it. So if you lay it down, that round disc is there, and it looks like it shouldn't be. I don't. I don't think it's that big of a deal. I don't either. I just. But I mean, if you're gonna, for the fact of people saying that the Xbox was better engineered because it doesn't require a screw for the stand, I think that that's weird nitpicking and put together silly. IKEA furniture. If that's your thought process, <laughs> I just think that's weird of, of a thing to worry about. But if anything, I would actually prefer the screw for versatility's sake. I would rather be able to remove it, not see it there, because I will say, I mean. And on a desktop, if you're going to lay that thing on its side, which I don't know the, why you would, I, I, that if you're just going on top of a desk, leave it standing up. Oh, I'll put mine on the side. You are? Yeah. On top of your desk? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Where like, at? Your system, your, your setup's a little different. So I'm curious. Oh, no, it's not now. You don't have an L. I forget about these I do things. have an L. What is your problem? Are you on meth? I thought that we switched your desk out to a single unit. Are you on meth? I am, apparently. We installed the to L. You. Oh, yeah, you're right. You went to a single desk and then added the L. Yes. That's right. That's so why I have my dual, my dual monitor set up to my left, which yeah. is actually, okay, so here it is right here, people. This is the exact desk I use at home, for those that don't know. Like, literally, this if is you're the watching. exact same one. Otherwise, you have to listen. Okay. So here, where I'm sitting in the middle is where my TV is at, on the wall, or not on the wall, but against the wall. Here, catty-cornered, is my PS4. Here, catty-cornered, is my Xbox. On their sides or no standing up, down. and they're 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 standing up, and they're both kind of angled inwards, and they're in the exact same space distance from the TV. Now, what it'll be is it'll be my PS5 or my PS4 is standing up, okay. And because that thing is like twelve 
or what? Well, no, it was like 15 inches tall. Yeah, it's pretty tall. I'm going to then take and manipulate my environment and lay that thing on, on its side down so I have more wall space so it's more roomy. Okay. So there's less. There's more wall space than there is. There's more wall space than there is without. Okay. And it's more. Therefore, it creates an illusion of more room. Okay. I feel you. For those that don't know, feng shui. <laughs> feng shui. <laughs> but yeah, while we're just on the stands, I thought if anything, I'd prefer if I'm gonna nitpick about stands, I'd prefer a screw. But ultimately, I think they both are fine, and I'm glad that they exist as part of the console. Yeah. Generally, so. I like the. Um, I like the. Uh, Video though, that's all I ask for. Now I just ask for a UI video. Yeah, and, and I, an SSD I like test speed will. video because I've been watching some of the Xbox ones, especially comparing the Xbox Series X to the One X. Yeah, but man, there's there's like two minute differences in some of those load times. Oh yeah, you, I'm assuming you went through the Digital Foundry one where they were comparing. All I went of them. through that one, but that's not the one I'm talking about in particular. The one I'm talking about in particular is the um, there's a lot of tech tips on it that's just really good, which actually shows. Um. Like Final Fantasy 15 and stuff like Digital Foundry do. Yep. And they nitpick things differently, which is interesting. But then there's MKHD. Oh, yeah. And then there's um, Verge. The Verge? Okay, yeah. I knew the Verge had one. Well, while we're moving on, later in the week, another thing that was finally clarified that I think a lot of people were waiting on is backwards compatibility. Uh, after the initial mention of the top 100 PS4 games became a point of confusion for a lot of people, uh, we now know that with the exception of 10 games, all PS4 and PSVR titles will be supported via backwards compatibility on PS5. Those 10 games, for anybody who's just morbidly curious and hasn't seen yet, is DWVR. I've never heard of it. Nope. Afro Samurai 2, Revenge of Kuma, Volume 1. I have heard of that one. TT, Isle of Man, Right on the Edge 2. Haven't heard of it. Just deal with it, which I think is funny, only because I haven't heard of the game, but it's kind of like, these 10 games aren't supported. Just deal with it. But uh, Shadow Complex Remastered, of which I do know about Should've Robinson. Put that one there for last. <laughs> I've never heard of Shadow Complex, let alone it being remastered. Oh, Shadow Complex is a 360 game. It's like a side-scroller action game. It's pretty cool, actually. Uh, Robinson the Journey, which was one of the big VR showcase games from early on. Uh, it's also available normally, though. We Sing... Hitman Go Definitive Edition, Shadwin, and Joe's Diner. Those are your 10 games. <laughs> that character was so bad. Oh, yeah, dude. It was a, this was not a great remaster. It also came out really early, like 2014 or 15. Yeah. So, and these are all probably games that are likely to have some kind of issues, so they just decided not to put them in there. Yes. Yeah, so that's the thing is while these titles will not work at launch, a future update could add some or potentially all of the games back into compatibility. Uh, other cl- uh, clarifications from Sony include limitations of functionality when playing backwards compatibility as follows. The share menu cannot be displayed or pressed from the DualShock 4, instead having to use a DualSense to trigger the create menu to get the same functionality. So you can still get shots, you can still do video, but you have to do it from dual sense so if you're playing on your dualshock 4 on your dualshock 4 you if you and you want to capture something you may have to move over to your dual sense for a second uh though i don't imagine most people are going to be playing on dualshock 4 unless they're playing a multiplayer game that supports the dualshock 4 for nah, i'm still going to use my dual sense i only mean like the second third or fourth person might be using a dual oh okay you know what i mean then it's weird they want to screenshot something yeah so that's what i mean i can't imagine this is going to be very much of an no issue. also all of these share uh, menu ps4 shortcuts are still going to be there you can hold for a couple seconds for a screenshot you cool. can double tap to start video recording. let me see the ui now 
<laughs> uh, let's see. The PS5 camera is not compatible with PS4 games, of which we already knew. Needing to connect the PS4 camera via a camera adapter that is supposedly free. We don't. Which we also exactly talked about. about. Yep, HDR is automatically switched on for PS5 consoles. I thought this was interesting. I do not like this. To turn HDR off, you will need to adjust that in video settings on the console. I don't like that. This is also true on the Series X, and also Series X goes out of its way on backwards-compatible games to do, um, oh, what is it? It's like faux HDR, but it's essentially, I can't remember the wording um, they used. The Series X has it's a scaling technique, or yeah. not a scaling technique. It's a um, no. It is a scaling technique. It's something that will go. It, it will change as yeah. the game goes on. I can't think of what it's called, and I can't remember what it's called either. But it's essentially forced HDR <laughs> in games that didn't tra- tra- uh, traditionally have it. And that's um, also something else that they have that they like. Almost all, all but some, like Xbox 360 games are going to have that same kind of thing of like well kind of like what the PS5 is doing. Like, well, these games just aren't going to look good, so we're just not going to put it on there kind of thing. Who knows? Uh, Let's see. A couple more of those. Our PS4's tournament feature is not supported on PS5. I forgot that was a thing. I never used it. Uh, Not my kind of thing, though, to be fair. In-game live from PlayStation is not supported on PS5, which I'm not actually sure what that is. Is that when you're on a game screen and you can see the stuff going on under it of people, like, streaming it? I really don't know. So, there you are. And lastly... PS5 does not support the PS4 second screen app or game companion apps, which does bring a very important question. If the PS5 does not support the PS4's game companion apps, then how are the PlayLink titles, which are not listed in those 10 titles, how are they playable? Because they all require a companion app to be played. Hidden Agenda, the That's You game that they came out with, all of those require a companion app. So unless... It's only for, I don't know. I, just, I don't understand what they're going for here. It's a good question. So that list may be a little In bit game bigger. Live, people are. I don't. So what did you look up what in game live is? It's the only thing is, as I'm getting like you um, streaming personally. Oh, are you saying that you're going to. I doubt that, that this means that you won't be able to stream directly from PS5. Surely not. No, 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 no. Remember, like, you could do a... You can screen... Like, you could almost share screen with a friend. Do you not remember, like, you could do that? Like, you can... It's, it is streaming, but it's like, hey, you want to watch my video, but you don't want to stream? Here it is. Kind of thing. I can't think of what it's called. I thought that was share play. That is share play. But, and is. then if you want to, you can hand the controller to them d- virtually. So I don't know what in-game I don't, live I don't is. Know what if you do know what is. it is, let me know. But the fact that I don't know what it is means that at least for me, it's not going to have a big impact, it seems. Uh, so that leads us into the next thing, which I think is important. So Sucker Punch have confirmed that Ghost of Tsushima, using the Game Boost feature on PS5's backwards compatibility, can run at up to 60 frames per second and, of course, see even faster load times than the PS4 version, which, if you've not played, already has the craziest quick load times i've seen in a ps4 game i'm actually genuinely curious how they pulled it off uh but game boost acts similarly similarly to what we've seen xbox doing and this is somewhat of what um saul was talking about there's a bunch of videos that you can find from digital foundry and everything where games that were built with unlocked frame rate modes or dynamic resolution to use ps5 extra power are are, are 
sorry, any game that were made with an unlocked frame rate or dynamic resolution is able to tap into the PS5's extra power using Game Boost to hit much higher frame rates, potentially even locking at 60, and stay at its peak resolution either always or more often. So examples of this being Hitman uh, Hitman 1 and Hitman 2. Both of those games are available with a frame, uh, an unlocked frame rate option. Another example from a PlayStation studio uh, that's not... Sucker Punch is a good studio for this because Sucker Punch also has, um, from day one, I think it was like this, the um, infamous Second Son has an option to unlock the frame rate. We also know that God of War, its performance mode gave you an unlocked frame rate in 1080p, so that means you'll be able to play that game at 60 frames per second, more or less locked. Um, so games that have that, and then like there's games like... Um, I want to say Hellblade was a re- um, was a game where they used dynamic resolution. So what would happen is that sometimes Hellblade would be, and I could be wrong in the game, but let's just use that as an example. Sometimes it would be, its dynamic resolution would go from 1080p to 1440p. All right. So what would happen is it would go. To, it would sometimes be in 1440p, but it would need to drop that to make sure it didn't drop frames. So it goes down to 1120p or 1080p or whatever in between. And what happens here is that games will be able to stay at that peak, whatever their max set was. But these games, the thing about this is is that the games are only doing what they were already designed for. They just have hardware behind them that can push that theoretical max that they were implemented with further. Yeah. So that's what is essentially happening here. And I'm glad to see this because a lot of people have been treating this like only Xbox is the one that's going to have this. And at least on a base level of being able to make games that were already designed this way run better, you're going to get the same thing here. Now, maybe because the Xbox is a little more powerful, the results will be a little bit more consistent on Xbox Series X. Maybe not. You don't know. We don't know how much the stuff will be able to use other aspects. We don't know how much the benefit of the playing a PlayStation 4 game specifically on um, the, the SSD, how much that may affect certain things. So these are things to keep in mind. But of course, unless uh, uh, Microsoft is doing their thing where they're going to be able to make games that were even built with a 30 frames per second lock somehow double, when that day comes, we'll talk about the fact that maybe Xbox will be on a better ground on that particular front. But I think that you're going to expect backwards compatibility at least from last generation games or the current generation, whatever you want to call it, Xbox One, PS4 era. They're all going to run very similarly in that regard. So that pretty much closes off everything for me. Saul, do you have anything else you wanted to bring up in relation to that? No. I'm still just trying to figure out what in live is because it's bothering me. <laughs> In-game live. I don't know what that is. I, I was like, like, go to Reddit and see like and see if somebody... If, has posted the uh, in the video of them talking about somebody. It's like, what is that? It's by answering it. But I can't even find the thing on Reddit, so I'll just give up. Because <laughs> like, if you Google, what is in-game live PS4 feature, it doesn't pop up with anything. So what might be happening here is that a feature that most people didn't use. Using live to view broadcast video clips and screenshots that other players are sharing. Oh. See, I think that that's the thing. If, if you look at a game and you're on the game tile, directly underneath it, like the day that I started Crash Bandicoot 4, I'm pretty sure I saw he Josh Shoop streaming it, but on the home screen below the tile, I could see him streaming it. Yeah. Now, that, that's not a necessary feature, and no. I think what might be happening here is that they're wanting to clean up the UI and not have it so cluttered, and, and that's a good way to do that. I wonder, though, like I really hope that they're not removing the live stream feature. Yeah, I don't think so. That would be really interesting. Though, now that I think about not it, that, okay, I'm gonna be honest. I don't think we've seen that from either. We, uh, we've not seen them 
completely come out and confirm nor deny that from either Xbox or PlayStation. Well, I'm gonna be honest, that feature is not really great. Like it is good it's, for people who want to do who have no other option, but even then, it's like uh, I, it's just the hard truth that like if you're streaming Fortnite and you're using that versus somebody else with like a capture card, they're not gonna watch your PS4 stream. Like yeah. it's it's just a hard, honest truth. But if you have nothing except a good personality, you're not a piece of cardboard playing Fortnite, then you actually have a shot because people will stick around for your personality yeah, over for your sure. quality. But that's been it, guys. Remember, you can follow us on Twitter, like what Brett said earlier, Triangle SQRD. Our Discord in the description, or of course, subscribe to us on YouTube where you get every or you get weekly video uploads every Monday at 12 p.m. Central Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time. And so of course, you, you can get follow. Too far, huh? Go ahead. Before you get too far. What do you want to land on for community stake? Oh, yeah, you're right. Um, I don't know. What is your favorite PlayStation game of all time? <laughs> do you know what in-game live is? <laughs> yeah, do you know what in-game live is? Um, let's, let's, do, let, let's do something fun, like something not topical because we haven't done I, it. I like the look. I mean, topical in so far as this backwards compatibility. Do you want to start doing Game of the Generation or do you want to save that for a dedicated episode? First of all, that'll be a dedicated episode. Okay, like uh, game of the year was. Well, I mean, well, it's not. I mean, I guess dedicated, but it's like, it's well, like our. What I'm saying is, we can have an episode where the community's giving us theirs while we're giving them their ours. You know, so. Oh yeah, save that. For I a think it's a good episode. setup for. But that. what is your favorite? What is your favorite PS4 game this gen? That's what I'm just talked about. The game of the generation, I guess. Right? Wouldn't that be what everyone would give? Your game of the generation's good. What is your favorite PlayStation 4 game of all time? No, because that'll be the same as a gin if it's like Bloodborne, because then guess what? That's new. No, you're still All right, man. Let's, uh, let's look. Um, what is your favorite feature on PS4 that you don't want going away for PS5? That's a good one, because right now we still don't know. Yeah, yeah we don't know if all the features going away. So let well, us know yeah. on, uh, of course, Twitter, Discord, or the Facebook group, Triangle Squared at PlayStation Facebook. Um, <laughs> I'm just going to keep doing that from now on. Uh, you can watch us, like I said. Be sure to give us a like and a subscribe. And uh, of course, if we, if you're listening on a podcast service that has ratings and sharing, please uh, give us a rating and give it a share to all your friends and family. If you are a super fan and you really want to see us succeed, you'll sign up for our Patreon. Where if you are at our five dollar tier, you get a free custom PS4 slash PS1 custom slash PS1 case slash PS4. <laughs> that's custom. I don't know if you know that part or not, but it's also a PS1 case, but it looks like a PS4 case and vice versa. If you've been a subscriber for more than three months, if they're three month mark, the second year you're, you're a day older than three months, then you get one. You get to pick which one. It's you actually not broken. It's still by quarter because I do not have the ability to constantly so buy quarterly. It. So if once you've been a one for three months and a quarter comes up, then you get your option. So, I know that's a little weird, but it's the best way I can do it so, and actually keep up with it. Yes. So we'll do it that way. And, so uh, check us out. Patreon.com slash Nartech. Yes. And it, no matter what tier you're at, you could be at a penny tier. You'll get your name read, uh, read out every episode. And Brent. Can you give less than a dollar? I actually don't know. I don't know. Somebody <laughs> test that out for us. Give us 99 cents. <laughs> But yes, we do always give a shout out to all of our patrons. So without further ado, thank you to our patrons, Kyle Grimm, Josh Jarrell, Matthew Green. My name is Dan, Luke Bartolomeo, Sean Santarud, Funk Turkey, Danny Villalobos, Corey Hickerson, Blake Popst, Kevin Bacon Bits, Joshua Lago, Eric McAllister, Shadowist, Stephen Salazar, The Stonard, Travis Below, Stephen Swanland, Constantly Kenny, Solitary Red, Chris Figs, Zachary Sawyer, Landis, Rude Days 93, Brian. Ryan, 
Donovan Williams, William Digital Spooker, Derek Porter, Josh Ayers, Brandon Edwards, Sean One Neo, Tyler Powers, El Tabib, Jason Clendenning, Tyler B, and Richard Schaefer. Again, head over to patreon.com slash nartech if you'd like to support us further. Thanks. So, have you heard of Sassination Shenanigans? What? Sassination Shenanigans? No. He's not telling the link. Oh, I've heard about that for a while, actually. He's like telling me on Friday. And he's like, not telling him about it because of God. Huh? He's not doing it because of God. I told him.